Welcome to another Wheel Nerds podcast. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 83. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And the plan. Hello, Todd. Have you missed me? Oh, God. Here we go again. I like to do this, boys, because I know that it annoys you, Todd. It doesn't matter what my plan is. All that matters is that you are annoyed. I hate you so much. Yes! Your cakes make me feel warm inside. Like a fudge brownie that Mommy used to make when I was in the prison all those years ago. This got weird. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Yes, we are. We say that a lot. Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's not like we're busy. That's true. There, life, there's a lot of life changes. Let's talk about life changes. Yes, available now at a gross bachelor apartment near you. It's a Chuck. It's not an apartment. It's a townhouse. That's true. It's That's a true. Damn nice townhouse. Coming to you live from the new Wheel Nerd Studio in Chuck's damn nice townhouse, underneath the giant Steve McQueen picture, across from the titty girl on the bike. You know, that's a real girl. Really. Uh-huh. Um, at the IMS show in Chicago, mm-hmm. the painter, David Yule, mm-hmm. did a live one-off oh, of, wow. of that. That's a real bike, and that's a real girl. Wow. Yeah. So the bike was auctioned off. He did that one-off painting, and I mm-hmm. think they raffled it off. To hell the costume. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's a beautiful painting. It is. It's, it's uh, David Yule's Steampunk Seduction. Mm-hmm. Um, Very cool. Yeah, I figured since I was getting this new place, because, like Todd said, I'm now a bachelor. Ladies, we've got a number thing out front, like a butcher's. <laughs> uh, yeah, so things haven't worked out with me and my wife. Uh, this has actually been a long time coming, and it's one of the reasons why we took a, such a long break. Because mm-hmm. I was moving. Um, into the bachelor pad. Into the bachelor pad. Mm-hmm. So I was changing diapers. He was changing diapers, and I was learning to do laundry. <laughs> you got to separate the lights and the darks, and really? take the take the armor out before you wash it. You got to separate them. Well, that depends. Are you doing laundry right, or are you doing it the gross bachelor way? I'm doing cold, cold. Hmm. The gross bachelor way. Good, good man. <laughs> yes, indeed. The wheelers. Hey, you know, other things have been going on. Uh, what? Well, I am now a Ural emissary. What? I have stickers and everything. Yes, yeah, so Ural has this program for Ural owners where if you've ordered stuff from them or they're aware of you and you go sign up, uh-huh. you become this Ural emissary. So they send me a thing of brochures and cards and a sticker that says emissary on the side and like a list of all the current dealers. Oh, so when people come and UDF me, I've now got like this, you know, like, I have some literature. <laughs> have you heard the good news about Ural? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friend. Can I come inside and talk to you about Russian motorcycles? <laughs> Hello, friends. I'd like to share a few stories from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard the miracle of Urbit? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so Ural Emissary. So who's our local dealer? 
Our local dealer is uh, Addictive Behavior Motorcycle Sports, where we got the naughty calendars. Just them, huh? Just oh, them. The naughty calendar is hanging on the wall in the garage. Awesome. Well I'm done, sir. No longer hiding it in the closet. I got a giant foam Vermont, which I plan to stick all of the ski area and beer stickers on there. So if anyone here has been to Vermont or is going through there or lives in Vermont, send me like stickers from all the breweries and uh, the ski resorts, and we'll send you back real nerd stickers. Uh, yeah, see our address on wheelnerds.com mm-hmm. with our P.O. box. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, so you're all emissary. I feel fancy. I feel, I feel Russian fancy. Do you feel official? Yes. You know, I think I need one of those big hats, you know, <laughs> with the brim. It's really big and round. Uh-huh. And I can ask people, papers! <laughs> yeah. No, you, you would be giving them their papers. Here, take these papers. Papers. Papers, please. Take them. <laughs> Go to the nearest dealer. You buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like this. I like where this is going. This feels good. Well, what else has been going on? Because I've been out of touch. Well, let's see. Uh, I have a daughter. Uh, she's found her feet. Um, feeding her solid foods, and she's about as clean about it as her father is. Which is fun. That's a sad, sad story. Mmm. Sticky, sticky house we have now. <laughs> I got a, I got a highly personalized email from Aerostitch, actually. I was like, really? oh boy. Well, I saw were, they, were they apologizing? Did I, they hear the show? I, I don't know. I, I That's what I thought at first, you know. So I, I took a look at the email, and I was like, oh, it's from Aerostitch sizing people. I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. We're going to have a conversation about it now. Sweet. Yeah, so the highly personalized email goes as follows. <clears throat> Dear Ryder, thanks for investing. Wait, when did you start calling yourself Ryder Cox? Because um, that's a great name. <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> Thanks for investing your time with our sizing tool at the Aerostitch website! Exclamation point. We are very interested in hearing any feedback you may want to offer regarding your experience and find out if there's anything we can do that would improve this program. I believe I have made myself clear on the topic. <laughs> Did you send them a link to If you've show? decided to delay your purchase, we can assist you with placing that order when you're ready. You can reply directly to this email with your questions or comments or call us at this number. We look forward to hearing from you, exclamation point. Thank you. <laughs> did you call? Please tell me you called. No, I did not. Although now I am totally going to respond <laughs> with a link to the show. <laughs> uh, they'll probably send me back a thing that says, we'll be happy to listen to your show if you send us $100. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. You know, I, I had my hopes up for a brief moment there, and it was just dashed to bits. You saw the, the from line that says like, Aerostitch. Yes, all right, <laughs> now we're talking. This is good. This American is God. customer service. Damn it. Is dead. <laughs> Damn it. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm either making my own or I'm falling back to the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> The uh, Pakistani American uh, customer service at Ghazi's. because uh, yeah. Ghazi was cool. Yeah, mm. that's the thing. Everybody who's worked with him is like, "Wow, that was a pleasure to deal with." Yep. John got one of his uh, air suits. Yeah, so I guess it's on the way now. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, that. That'll be interesting. My my Lombard three is looking a little ratty. My uh, Olympia suits are disintegrating around me, as is my helmet. Oh, I can I can put my suit in the washing machine now. No one will yell at me for that. Nope. Take the pads out. I have this big screen TV now. Mm-hmm. I can watch anything I want. Porn. That's what I meant when I said anything I want. Oh, okay. Sure. 
You know, I had that balcony door open. Mm-hmm. They they can hear us. Hi, neighbors. Oh, Porn. God. Hey, it's all right. You have cougars living around you. A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's like it's like you're in some sort of divorcee community of Wonderland. Forty something divorcees. <laughs> How strange. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say no person fresh out of college could afford this house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this this townhouse's main floor is three times the size of my previous apartment. What's funny is there was a family living here. Really? And they moved out because um, they outgrew it. They uh, had another baby on the way. Wow, that's that's some babies. <laughs> they were they were making babies. They were making some babies. <laughs> Good lord. So we have we have we have a backlog of classifieds like you would not believe. You know what? We need theme songs for our sections. Do we? Yeah. Like all your other podcasts. Do, 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 do. Classifieds, listen to that. Our classifieds. As long as the theme songs can go too long. And then drop the bass. Boom. <laughs> this goes on for like a minute straight. You're like, well, I hope the podcast starts soon. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do it that yeah, long. I'm bored right, already. All right. I'm like, podcast. Hmm? So, Henry from Philly sent us an offensive F650 GS. Offensive? Offensive. Okay. Runs low miles. Tires good. Fuel injection. I'm so offended. Front and rear disc brakes. Inspection runs out on the last day of June 2013. We'll need new sprockets eventually, but the current ones will get you through the summer. Heated hand grips. Adjustable seat height. Rear foot pegs for your cycle slot. <laughs> Aftermarket Touratech side mount lights are included. That's uh, pretty... Offensive. I took them off because one side crapped out. Now we're getting there. We'll need a fuel filter. It's causing bike to have intermittent idle at times, and here it comes. The filter has a built-in pressure regulator for fuel injection. Stupid, I know. BMW over-engineered. I can't believe you say that about BMW. Uh, yeah. I'm going to write them a strongly worded letter. But this thing is a BMW. It goes fast. It looks cool, and the chicks love it. Oh, that's so sexist. Call my cell, number, number, or email. Price negotiable, but don't think you're going to Jew me down that much. So, really, it's it's kind of sexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah clearly yeah. a little sexist. You're going you're gonna to Jew me down. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that phrase in about 15 years. I haven't seen that phrase outside of a Stephen King novel. And the last person who said it around me had about three teeth. <laughs> So there you go. Offensive uh, ad. You know, you know, I think he really, he, he failed to offend, uh, Asian, black people, um, American Indians, people from Europe, um, people from Australia aren't offended. Does anything offend them? Well, turns out, since you were at Overland Expo recently, it seemed like a good idea to go ahead and go with this ad. It's not technically a motorcycle, but it's an Overland Expo kind of thing. Okay. Say 1991 Subaru Brumbry Ute? Ute is their term for like a like an SUV. Looks like a Subaru Outback. Uh, no, no, this would be called a Brat. No, not Outback. What was that thing? A Brat. No. Well, yes. Remember the new one they did a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. They didn't call it the Brat. The Baja. Yeah, the Baja. But the Baja was a uh, one seat longer than this. This is like this is the Brat. The Brat. I never heard of the Brat. Oh my. 1981 Subaru Brumby, full service history, 185,000 kilometers, fabricated from rare minerals, excavated from the core of Mount Olympus. Arr, 
artfully designed by Zeus and skillfully handcrafted in the land of the rising sun by the death hands of the infamous Seven Samurai. This I am offended. Mm. This Japanese rice rocket is unquestionably the most heroic form of transport since the Apollo 11 lunar module. Now, an important thing to note about this brat, or Brumby as you prefer to call it, this is Subaru's first car with a CVT. It was noted for being absolutely gutless. It also had little backward-facing plastic seats in the back of it. Oh, I remember that. Mm, mm. Generally, uh, one of those ones referred to as a truly awful car. Um, but it says in 1885, this car transported the Statue of Liberty to New York City from Paris. Well, there's that. Cast as Kit in 1982's Knight Rider TV series, but eventually deemed too intelligent for the role. Mm, mm. They do note that uh, this one has two seats slash thrones upholstered with albino panda fur. Stereo system used for sound engineering the U2 360 tour. Mm-hmm. It's a built-in dude-slash-chick magnet and knows your preference. Analog clock. Ask your grandfather how to read it. Good plan. No power steering, so you better start pumping iron. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> power engine. Wind skill, windscreen wiper jets filled with the tears of Jesus. <laughs> Wow, this sounds impressive. He wants uh, 6.5 kilograms of freshly minted Swiss gold billion. Mm -hmm. Reasonable offers accepted. Example of a reasonable offer, $10,000 plus. <laughs> Read my blog, I drink heavily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's a thing, isn't it? Uh, It's cute. It's a Subaru brat. It's guaranteed to uh, not delight. Uh, I don't know, he seems pretty delightful. Yep. Uh, we need something cheaper. Okay. Oops. <laughs> Honda Ruckus. 2012 Honda Ruckus 171cc. $7,200. It's the 171 Big Board. Dorby Works. Dorby Mesh Wheels 12x8 and 12x4 with front and rear hubs. Alien Motion 8-cell battery. Yoshimura Exhaust. Dwarf Seat Frame. Knight Rider Taillight. Black Market DJ Bike Bars. Wow. He bought everything here for, like, the name, didn't he? Look at those rims. They are pretty badass rims. They on a ruckus must cost more than the ruckus. Um, I think almost everything here costs more than the ruckus. Does he have a sound system? Please tell me. Oh, he has a sound system. oh, we well, can't. We can't buy it. We don't have a sound system. Uh, password JDM stem. No, no it's no good. What no, the hell is a password JDM stem? It's really good. Um, why is it, why is there a password? I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Do you? Have to I just it? know it's good because it's on this ruckus. Do you have to give it a password before it turns on? Look, it's obviously good. Okay, what's a, a what? It's got a Gates Kevlar belt. It's got a like Ricardo really seat cover. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Where's the sound system? There's no sound system. How could it not have a sound system? This ruckus is a piece of shit. <laughs> How could you have a ruckus without a sound system? Oh, I know. What a waste. What an incredible <laughs> so waste wrong. of a perfectly good ruckus. I see a ruckus downtown with a boombox. I just this is this is disappointing. And he wants seventy two hundred for it. We need to find somebody who can do better than this ruckus. Yeah, we need we need something. I mean, if you've got a ruckus with no sound system, it's a piece of shit. Okay. Strip, never listeners, never buy a ruckus without a sound system. Here's a uh, Suzuki Gixxer one thousand. From 2001 Ooh. for a dollar. With a custom paint job. A custom paint job. It, it has music. Thank God. It and, has music. And the plastics are cut for the light. Is extended. Lowered down. It has a 190 on the back tire. I want to trade for a car. <laughs> <laughs> I've made horrible choices. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Mom says I gotta sell it. I've done questionable things. 
Oh, man. Yes. But hey, you know what? It has music. Custom paint job. So that means him and his friends went down to the garage. (laughs) (laughs) Said, wouldn't it be cool? (laughs) Plastics are cut for the light. Are they cut for the sound? (laughs) It has music. It has music. What does that mean? It means it has music. I mean, obviously it's better than the ruckus. Ruckus had no music. Okay. Why the hell would we want that? I'm not feeling it. We're buying the ruckus. Okay. No, right. I want art. Yeah, you need something for your gross bachelor pad. Yep. Yeah, something to do with this uh, Harley couch we're sitting on. By the way, why didn't you buy the one with the ass stripe? Well, it's leather. Sure. I don't want leather furniture. That makes me seem too much like a creepy bachelor. Mmm. Mmm. So this handcrafted Harley Eagle wood art plaque. Oh, then I gotta have that. For $39? Wow, bargains. This stunning Harley Eagle includes the famous Harley lettering. I have very few of these available since I just bought them for my trip to Vietnam. Huh? The letters are hand-carved wood and the artists are Vietnamese. (laughs) (laughs) And they accurately reproduce the unique famous shape. From a picture. In defiance of all copyright laws. (laughs) Carefully hand-carved to create this impressive wood art. The different colors are different kinds of wood, not paints or stains. That's, That's cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. After carving, sanding, and perfecting, the pieces are joined together with glue. Careful attention to the natural wood color and grain, and no attention whatsoever to copyright laws. <laughs> after the piece meets the artist approval, a.k.a. undone, round eye will buy it. <laughs> Sweatshop time up. So a handcrafted Harley Eagle made in Vietnam, mm-hmm. not licensed by the motor company, mm-hmm. for 40 bucks. Seems legit. Get me 10. Mm. <laughs> Give me 10 so I can resell them on eBay for $100. <laughs> Get sued into oblivion. Does it have an ass stripe? Uh, no, it has wing stripes. Mm. And uh, I don't like to buy Harley merchandise without ass stripes. You and ass stripes. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say, I, I expect more. I'm not that impressed with the lettering. Uh, no, no, it does say Harley Davidson. It's spelled correctly. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Roland, for sending that. Yes, Chuck will have them up all over his place in no time. Everywhere, mm, every room. There'll be no place you can go. If you're on the can, there will be a Harley Eagle looking at you. So, uh, Chuck, has anyone by any chance mentioned to you possibly over the last week or so that you can left turn on red in Utah now? No. Well, they've mentioned it to me. <laughs> We've had listeners send us links. We've had emails. I've gotten texts from people I barely know. My boss came to my desk and asked me what I thought of it. Really? Yes. What do you, what do you think of it, Phil? I, I like it. I was doing it anyway. So was everybody else. Yeah, everyone else was doing it. <laughs> That's my reaction. Everybody's like, oh, won't this make it really dangerous? So basically the deal is in Utah now, you can, if you wait 90 seconds at a light and it doesn't turn, you can turn left. I thought that was the rule anyway. <laughs> That's my point. Everybody was doing it already. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, my boss is like, I'm just worried someone's going to use this as an excuse to go blasting out in front of me in traffic. I'm like, you're totally missing the point. This doesn't happen when there's traffic, because cars trigger the light. Mm-hmm. This happens in the middle of the friggin' night when you're sitting in a light all by yourself, picking your nose, thinking, boy, I hope no one rapes me. Is that what you think when you're stopped at lights? Mm, depends on whether I'm wearing the skirt or not. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get your Harley couch all gooey. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think everybody was doing it already, so now it's legal. And apparently it was not before. <laughs> okay. So, we've been devious lawbreakers all along. We have to wait 90 seconds? 
Yes. Okay. I thought the, I thought the law came in that like you didn't have to wait at all or something. No, no. You have to wait ninety seconds. If it doesn't turn, you can just go. Oh, okay. When it is safe. Ninety seconds, like real ninety seconds, or like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. You know, given the times that this is going to happen uh, out somewhere in the city in the middle of the night when no one else is around to trigger it. Anyway, four, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ninety. Right. Given the times it's going to happen, I'm pretty sure you can count to three. <laughs> and there's nobody around by. <laughs> exactly. You got to at least do a burnout. You know, get something out of it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, listeners, you can stop sending us links. Send more to Todd. He loves it. Oh, God. <laughs> so, in, in the spirit of making sure you spend as much money on Kickstarter as possible, oh, God. Charlie send us the Volo lights. I've got a new, my new wallet from Kickstarter came. Oh, good. It's cool. It actually has a Kickstarter button on it where you can just kickstart whatever you're seeing in front of you? No. No, it's just a cool little metal wallet. Mm -hmm. It blocks RFID. Mm -hmm. Brito. I've got a problem. Apparently. I've got a big problem with Kickstarter. I, I... You I see have, a kick, you see a starter and you kick it? I do. I, 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 I've backed... I've got pickles coming. Pickles? Handcrafted pickles. Kickstarter pickles. Kickstarter pickles. We'll have to review them on the show. Hopefully they're good. I hope so. If they're not, I'm going to make fun of you mercilessly. I know. <laughs> Chuck, uh, you funded these pickles. I I've, know. I've also got a Kickstarter mini herb garden coming. Mm -hmm. Bachelors don't grow things. I mean, apart from that mold that's growing in the Shut up! <laughs> it's going to go in the kitchen. So yeah, Charlie sent us these Volo lights. It's a license plate cover thing that uh, goes blinky. You know, I didn't really dig it. Um, I, it doesn't do much for me. It's uh, It's got an accelerometer in it, so if you're braking really hard, yeah. it'll blink faster. Yeah, I just... I was I was kind of eh about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same boat. Partly because it's very easily stolen. <laughs> Not um, stolen. I did, however, bookmark it. Oh, yes. Okay. So that, uh, depending on... Uh, if what I do is I bookmark projects. And you look and see if it looks like it's going to be real, and then you'll you'll throw down. Yeah, usually. Mm -hmm. You pretty much throw down for anything. Folks, if you find motorcycle Kickstarter stuff, please do send it along. We're going to we're gonna spend Chuck's money every Shut year. Shut up. We're going to oh. fill his apartment with Kickstarter crap. Got more stuff coming. Good. I've got a watch made of wood coming. Excellent. That seems like a great way to spend money. It looked cool. I bet it did. And it's helping somebody... Mm -hmm. Stop! <laughs> Stop it! I'd say you have a Kickstarter problem, but I guess you'd argue you don't really have a problem. You get as much Kickstarter as you want. I have a I have a consuming problem. Pretty much the uh, the target market these days, huh? I target uh, market, Chuck. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! Shutting up. Mm -hmm. So um, next up, you know, I was at the Overland Expo, mm -hmm. and I got chances to sit down with a bunch of different people, including one of my favorite motorcycle authors. And we're going to hear from her right now. Okay, so now I'm sitting with Lois Price, Lois on the loose, and yeah, uh, help me with the other one. What's the other book? Red, red tape and white knuckles. What, red tape, white knuckles. I was going to say red knuckles and then. If <laughs> So, yeah, it's great to be sitting with you finally. It's Thank been a you. while. We've been exchanging emails. You are, you know, one of the inspirational female adventure type writers. Well, thanks very much. I'm um, honored to be here. Todd is very, very, very sad that I'm talking to you and he's not getting Sorry, Todd. It's, uh, <laughs> Todd sucks, really. Oh, it comes Todd. Down to is, is Todd, <laughs> really is, not. Todd sucks. So, you know, I'm here and he's not. Wait a minute, why is Todd? Why is he not here? Uh, he has a four month baby and oh, so he's okay. at home well, let him daddy off. thing, yeah. Oh. And also, he's so 
soft. He's weak. <laughs> he, he's not very good looking. Oh, it his, sucks. Okay. His hygiene is quite bad. <laughs> we don't like to let him out. So I'm not as familiar with you as Todd is because he's he is the big. He loves your first book, and he's. Been, Oh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Thanks, Tony. And I've been, I have it on my nightstand. It's like, it's, you know, you develop a stack of books. A list you have of to read, to read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So help me, I guess. Tell me how you got started with doing this trip. Sure, sure. Your first trip. Well, like, like my first trip was 10 years ago. Right. And uh, I suppose the inspiration for it was, like many people, I just had a rather boring office job. I was working in the London at BBC. It wasn't a bad job, but I was just sitting there staring out the window and wishing that I was riding my motorcycle instead. And, I was head, heading for that dangerous age of 30, and I thought, gosh, I'd better do something about it. Uh, so I packed in the job. Um, I shipped off uh, my bike to uh, Alaska, Anchorage, where I flew it on the plane. And I flew shortly afterwards, uh, picked it up, and set off to ride to Tierra del Fuego, the bay tip of South America. So 20,000 mile ride through North and South America. What made you pick that first? Yeah, well... I mean, I, I really was spoiled for choice. You know, I just thought I want to do a motorcycle journey somewhere. I didn't really care where. I just wanted to go around the world, you know, out, out of the Western world, essentially. So out, okay. outside of Europe or, or North America or Australia. You know, there's that thing south of you called Africa. Well, I come to that, actually, because <laughs> um, that would have, well, it sounds like it might have been closer, but it's certainly not easier. And I found okay. that out a few years later. But um, I love America, so I suppose that's why I chose the States. Um, yeah, I do. I really do. And I know not you know not many Europeans will say that. And I will stand up and say, it. I love America. I love American music, um, especially West Coast, 60s, 70s stuff. So I really wanted to go to California. I love the whole surfing culture. Uh, that was just a big, big deal for me. I played the banjo. I played, I played a bluegrass band. So although that's more Southern States, it's still American music. So I really wanted to get out there and do that. And then I thought, well, hell, keep on going, you know, Mexico. Uh, Central America, South America, and I was looking at the map and thinking, well, just just do the whole shebang, start right at the top, <laughs> go right to the bottom, why not? So that was really the thinking behind it, and um, uh, yeah, it took me 10 months. Um, I rode a Yamaha XT225, which was um, the cause of much merriment amongst pretty much everybody I met, but uh, they thought it was ridiculous that I was riding such a small bike. Uh-huh. Uh, but for me, I, I was travelling alone, you know, so I needed to be able to pick up the bike, I needed to be able to touch the ground, I'm quite short, I needed something that was lightweight uh, and, you know, just a tough little dirt bike that could go anywhere. So so the um, the Yamaha XT was perfect, uh, so that's um, how it all worked out, and uh, I made it in the end. <laughs> what, when did you decide, I guess to go from the journey to a book? Well, this is the interesting thing. When I set off, I, I jacked in my job completely. I had no plans to go back to it. I didn't want to go back to it. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And that was part of the appeal in that I wanted to just throw myself out in the world and just think, right, I'll see what happens. You know, maybe I'll have inspiration on the road. I didn't really you know, have any kind of career plans or anything. Because right. 10 years ago, this whole kind of adventure thing didn't really... Oh, no, it was like hardly... I mean, there were a few people out on the road. I did meet other riders, but it wasn't like there it wasn't is now. Market, no, yeah. there's no market of surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and really, yeah, that's transformed in the last 10 years really so it was quite obscure and there, a few people had websites and stuff like that and I started to, uh, my brother set me up a website he's a techie guy and I would email the stories to him that were happening to me and he would put them on the website and we just thought of it for a bit of fun mm-hmm. for him and my mum and my friends to read as I, as I went along 
And it just went mad. The website got linked all over the place. I was getting emails from people all over the world, you know, people in Kuala Lumpur saying, I love your writing, I love the stories, you know, if you're ever in Kuala Lumpur, come and visit or whatever. You know, people from India. And I said, this is bizarre. And then my brother emailed me one time and said, you're getting um, 2,000 hits a day. It was just peculiar, you know. And um, and then, you know, I, I stayed with a friend who had written a book, nothing to do with travel or motorcycles. She'd written another book, but she had an agent. And she said, oh, I think my agent might be interested. And she was. And she, the agent said to me, it was based in New York, she said, you know, do the trip, you know, get home, write up a proposal, and, and we'll see if we can get it in, uh, turned into a book, you know. So it's like, wow. That sounds like a good plan. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got home. So now I've got something to do, you know, like a project. So I got home and did exactly that. And of course, like every um, wannabe author, millions of rejections, you know, but mm. Harry Potter rejected, what, 20 times or something? So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was good. So, um, but anyway, my agent uh, found me a publisher in, first in the States and then in the UK. And then it got, the book got translated into German and Dutch and Italian. And, and it just went mad, you know, it just turned into a bit of a phenomenon, really. So it's all very exciting. Um, so was the book successful, like right out of the gate, or was yeah, it something? I think because um because it took quite a while for me to obviously to write it and then for it to be published and come out. So um, by that point, I'd been writing articles and obviously writing stuff online, and that had sort of built up the, the story. And, and I think when it came out, you know, it sold really well, and it's continued selling. It's always been in print. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and it's just come out again now in, pub, in paperback in the U- U.S. Um, so it's so yeah, it's, it was it's brilliant. I mean, you know, it really did transform my life. So that was actually you know the wonderful thing about the trip. Of course, you have a wonderful motorcycle ride and you meet great people and you see all these fantastic scenery. And but for me, you know, like almost like a byproduct of the trip is that I find out what I wanted to do when I grew up, which was being awesome. So suddenly, it's like I've got a, I've got a career that I actually liked. Which I so you know, and I think that's probably one of the the great things about doing these trips you know it is, a, it is a leap of faith it is a risk you leave your job you leave your home your friends your family behind but amazing things can come out of it that you just can't even imagine when you leave right. you know so that was a, the example for me so three years later I started planning another trip and um, it had to be Africa for me that's like the biggest motorcycle adventure on earth obviously crossing the Sahara Desert right. and then yeah. I rode through the Congo and Angola and it was deepest darkest oh, Africa deep dark Africa <laughs> I mean and now it was pretty deep and dark at times it was an incredible experience never a dull moment you can't be bored in Africa it really is just an incredible place but there were a few heavy moments but it was a proper proper exciting adventure and I, I like you were saying earlier um, it's closer to Europe it's you know it's a 10,000 mile trip as opposed to the first trip which is 20,000 miles but you know, it was like 10 million times tougher. So I'm really, really? glad I did it this, that way round. Okay. Well, yeah, why so, is that? Well, Latin America, I guess, is just that little bit more developed than okay. Africa. Um, it, and it, it, it's just also a little bit more stable politically and, and, and culturally. Uh, and so obviously you can find plenty of challenges in Latin America if you, if you so want to. But you can also find pockets of, you know, comfort and civilization and you know good roads and hotels and all that kind of stuff but in Africa you know you're really at the mercy of, of the climate and, and just you know the, the complete lack of infrastructure and a lot of political problems and I mean it's just all everything is is hard in Africa but of course that creates an incredible yeah, expedition for, for yeah. the motorcyclists. It's so your, exciting. your memories and your story. Oh, it was wonderful. It was so wonderful. I'd love to go back, but it was really challenging from a personal level, you know, like physically, 
there was the only time, no times that were like in Angola where I was like ploughing through landmines, you know, minefields or, you know. <laughs> and you really are thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know? And there were moments when I really wondered if I was physically up to the job. It was very difficult in that way. But also very emotionally demanding. And, you know, it is a bit more hairy than, than Latin America. Latin America is quite a laid back, easygoing kind of place. And Africa can be like that, but it can also be a, a, a little bit scary at times. So, um, but it was wonderful. And I absolutely don't want to ever put anyone off. You know, it, it was just, um, really blew my mind. What was the better food? Um, Latin America. Yeah, yeah. What bike did you ride in the Africa trip? The Africa trip, after uh, the first trip, I, like I said, I rode the XT225, and I kept meeting all these Germans on the road riding their enormous BMWs, you know, 1200s or whatever, and they would laugh at my little bike. <laughs> so I took their advice, and I went up uh, for my Africa but, um, trip. I got a bigger bike, and I, I used a, a TTR250, so I went up 25cc. So I'm slowly building my way up there. But, um, wow, that's yeah. a big bike. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, serious business. Yeah. Adventure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it was the best bike I've ever ridden from a reliability point of view. It was amazing. So it's a super tough, dual-sport bike, and it could take anything, and it really did. It got a hell of a hammering especially crossing the Sahara um, and obviously going through places like Central Africa like the Congo and Angola there's no roads you know I mean there's a bit of good. there's good roads in North Africa at the top of Algeria there's good roads in South Africa but everything in between is just free for all so it was crazy riding and the TTR never never failed me absolutely tough as anything okay. so I've just bought another one actually we're sitting here in the back of this trailer we are and that right? sounds more suspicious than the <laughs> It's really dark. Yeah, I'm quite scared, actually. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, right in front of us is this field where they're doing a dual sport class, mm -hmm. and every bike I'm looking at is a, a 1200 GS, an 800 GS. I know. It's bizarre. How, how does that strike you? Well, it's funny, because I watched some of these guys riding around this field. I mean, for the, for the benefit of the listeners, it's kind of got whoops and a berm and a tabletop, so and they kind of go around slowly, and... Uh, when I was watching yesterday, quite a few of them were, were dropping the bikes and falling off. And it, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a great off-road rider. I, I sort of bumble along and fall off myself. But, it, but um, this is actually a very easy course. And I'm sort of thinking they could be having an awful lot of fun and not falling off if they were just riding like a nice little 250. They could be whizzing about and having great fun. So I'm not really sure why they make life harder for themselves by riding these enormous bikes. When, when you've got these fantastic, smallish, dual-sport bikes in the 250-400 range, uh, which can absolutely... They're made for the job, and they can handle long distance as well, really. So um, I think it's a difference between the Americans and the Europeans. We, you know, everything's bigger here, right? Everything. Right, because you know? BMW is clearly an American company. Yeah, well, they, well, that's true. Here, they are German. That's true. That they're German, and I don't. Turntech, you know, all and those. That's true. What's his name? Herm, Herbert. Oh yes, Short, he's, yes. He's an American. I heard he was born in Connecticut. <laughs> okay, well, let's leave the Germans aside. You can count them as like the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> oh, is that? How, uh, no, I'm partly German myself, so I can say this. So, they, yes, no, it's, it is a phenomenon, actually, in the UK as well. There are a lot of people riding 1200s, and I've bumped into them in, like, Morocco, you know, and, and they're oh, struggling. Wait, who were those two guys that the, the long way somewhere? Oh, I've heard of them, but... Um, yeah, they yeah. had a funny accent, too. Where was it? Yeah, that and was... they were falling off um, their 1200s, actually, That's quite true. a lot, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know, why, why, why make life hard? I, I don't get it, actually. So um, that's where it seems like the whole industry is. is well, it's a fashion thing, isn't it? Because Kings, actually, right? you see a lot of those bikes in London, but they're mostly people going to work in 
banks. Well, here too. Yeah. <laughs> so what you find with people who do long distance trips, they tend to go back and do another trip in a smaller bike with less stuff. So um, I think people are sucked in by the appeal of all the shiny accessories and the big bike, but it's actually not what you need when you're ploughing through the Congo. I, be, I, I mean, I, I really would be crying my eyes out if I was on the 1200 GS in the, in the Congo. And you had to pick one up. Well, yeah, because I mean, my 250, I can only just about pick that up when it's loaded. So I, I couldn't pick up the 1200. So um, it's kind of out of the question, really. I mean, watching you yesterday, there were so many people who were coming up and they wanted you to sign books and take pictures and stuff. I imagine one of the questions you get asked a lot is, what bike should I take? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I come at it from, a, you know, being a small female, so it's like uh, I want something small and light and, and also very simple mechanically because when you are in the bush and, and something goes wrong, if you're riding like a small um, single-cylinder dual-sport bike with no computers, then those bikes could be fixed anywhere in the world because they're what the bikes that people ride in you know, Guatemala or in Angola or whatever. Right. Those are the bikes you'll see on the road. And so the mechanics, any bush mechanic can fix a bike like that. Well, as if you've got a 1200 GS with a computer that has to be plugged into something, <laughs> how the hell are you going to do that in Angola? I really don't know. But um, yeah. so, so it depends what you're using it for. If you're doing just like big highway riding in Europe or America, North America, then I can see the appeal of it. It's probably a very comfortable, easy ride. But well, for me, for me, the appeal is going to funny places and being able to explore funny little places. And for me, I feel more confident doing that on a just a little okay. sport bike. Now, I have read some of your writing. Uh, the excerpts of your stuff goes in Chris Scott's book. Indeed, I write for the Adventure Motorcycling Handbook, which is a fantastic book and it changed my life actually that book oh, I think a lot of people said that yeah it's brilliant but the thing I remember most that you wrote about once is that you when you were on your South America trip you started wearing a ring on your fingers <laughs> so that everyone would think you were it aware. helps to have a husband yeah <laughs> I've got a real one these days but um, on that trip I, I didn't and um, in Latin America it's a very kind of macho culture and also a very family oriented culture so they sort of respect the sanctity of marriage and kids and all that kind of thing so for them it's a very peculiar phenomenon for some, a woman to turn up on their own with no husband, no children, whizzing around on a bike. And they're like, you know, they're a bit suspicious of it. So sometimes, <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't you married? Where are your kids? You know, all the time. They always ask, where's your husband? Where's your husband? So in, in the end, I started wearing a, a fake wedding ring and I would concoct all these um, ridiculous stories about my husband who's just waiting for me at the next town or in the cafe or, you know. And then they all calmed down and it all made them feel a whole lot better because I, I had a husband and then you're legitimised as a woman so uh, it's definitely worth worth inventing them and even carrying pictures of children and you know <laughs> Did I didn't go that far but I know people that have carried photos of their random kids yeah exactly cut a picture out of a magazine put it in a frame there here's my children so um your yeah. husband looks just like Brad Pitt well yeah I mean you know if you could choose any husband why, you know, why not <laughs> I mean and I was just in one of the presentations with uh, Allison yeah and she was talking about her South American trip and she was mentioning a point where she needed to talk to another man for her to talk to a man <laughs> to repair her bike and you know in a border guard that managed he get a kiss before he oh, would let her through yeah that's quite kind of yeah you do come across that kind of cheesiness especially in in like central and south america that like that latin macho culture is alive and well i mean you do get the odd bottom pinching and you have to you know nip it in the bud and but usually if you're straight with them and strict with them they they'll leave you alone especially if they do think you're married um I, but actually, a lot of the time, it's more chivalry that you encounter. They, 
they, you know, they see women in, as a completely, in completely different roles to them, so they can't really understand why you would want to be changing your oil or, uh, test, uh, you know, checking your chain tension, and they run over and try to help you because they sort of feel sorry for you that you're having to get your fingernails dirty or whatever it is that is so <laughs> alarming to them. So, uh, and and it, you know, no matter how much of a feminist you might be, it's, it's not worth trying to argue with them you know you're in their country this is how it works so you just let them get on with it they feel better and and you know all is well with the world you know so so it's best not to go in there kind of champing it a bit with your with all your opinions and everything just just go with the flow you know when in rome i really do believe in that so um but but yeah i mean there's a little bit of sleazy latin action if you know if you if you want it (laughs) how do you feel as a as a woman writer in the community, the adventure community today versus, say, 10 years ago when you did the first trip? How do you see it changing? It is amazingly different, uh, but in a good way. There's so many more women doing trips, which is great. Uh, so I, I love to see that. Not so, A lot of them doing solo trips, but also women traveling with their husbands and boyfriends and that kind of thing, and couples going off and doing trips together. Um, seems to me that Americans are getting more interested in getting outside of the States, which, I mean, we're here at the Overland Expo in Arizona now, and obviously it's an American event, and people are, you know, queuing up to talk about, you know, hear about how to travel in South America, even the uh, Middle East and North Africa, places like that, which, you know, often you find people are quite wary of. So it's great to be spreading the news that, you know, the big wide world is an exciting and friendly place, you know. And so I think the more we can encourage people to travel, the better, because it just helps with just you know spreading the love and re- making people realize that it's not a big scary world out there at all so i say um the more the merrier okay so last night also was showing off his new movie Mabu Sahara. Mm-hmm. i was part- asleep i missed it okay but there's a part in the movie you're in <laughs> yes where he broke down exactly. how much was it of a pain of ass was it for you personally to have to interrupt your life <laughs> To go rescue your husband. Well, it was funny, actually. I was there. Uh, Austin had gone away for a month on this Saharan trip, so I was having a nice, peaceful time at home. And I was actually... I just had a day's um, uh, paddling, kayaking with Chris Scott, who writes the Adventure okay, Motorcycling yeah. Handbook, and another motorcycle friend of ours. And we were all there hanging out, chatting, when I got this phone call from Austin, from Marrakesh, or somewhere in Morocco. Can you fly out to Morocco tomorrow with this engine that I've just bought on eBay? And I was like, oh, God, you know, I got a minute, I've just put the kettle on. Um, so, yeah, so suddenly I was there, you know, late night booking my flights, cancelling. I'm in a band, so I had to cancel various, you know, rehearsals and gigs and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, uh, fly out there with half an engine in my suitcase. And I thought, well, you know, what, what do you do for love, you know? Wow. Of course I would fly to uh, Morocco to help Austin out. And I thought, well, while I'm there, I'll, you know, stay in a nice hotel and I'll go to the Hammam Spa and check out Marrakesh. And, like, you know. I, I, so I turned I, it into a little bit of a holiday. I've been married. I know, you know, yes, you would do anything for love, but there's going to be repercussions. <laughs> well, you know, You're I can, I can draw that favour, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's in the bank, yeah. <laughs> Rest of your year, what are you doing? You've got a trips planned I do I've looked plenty of things planned actually um, I'll be going back to the UK in a week's time and then this summer my, um, Austin and I run the Adventure Travel Film Festival which has been happening here at the Overland Expo but we also hold it in the UK so that happens in August then after that I'm off to Iran on a solo trip on a motorcycle what bike well, this is interesting. I haven't yet decided. A 1200 G. Well, of course. What, what else? I mean, you know, it's the obvious choice. <laughs> Titanium G. Yeah, exactly. 
So I have been offered uh, by Ural in Austria uh, to take a Ural sidecar outfit, which is one of my all-time favourite bikes. Um, Austin and I rode one from Richmond, Virginia to Seattle, 6,000-mile journey uh, a few years ago. We took it in turns. We're very democratic. It's a great, te- <laughs> great test of a marriage, actually, sidecar riding. Who was a better monkey? Uh, I couldn't possibly say. But you, <laughs> let me just say for the monkey, <laughs> if you're the monkey, you just have to keep your mouth shut. That is the, word. That is the one rule. And we were both admitted after the trip that there were times when we were sitting there absolutely terrified what, what the other one was doing. What is Austin like as a backseat driver? He's very good, actually. He did shut up and let me crash into a few bushes and stuff, as did he. So, yeah, we uh, we made the mistake of starting off uh, our trip in the uh, Blues Mountains, which, of course, is extremely twisty. Yeah. And riding sidecar round twisty bends is something that takes a little while to did get you do used like to. deals gap the dragon yeah uh, no we didn't do the dragon but we did the skyline um, oh no dra- skyline ride or skyline uh, drive yeah. down the Appalachians and that road. it was wonderful wonderful trip and the Ural is a wonderful um, motorcycle because everybody wants to talk to you so it's a great icebreaker and they all want to put their dogs in, in the chair yes. and the kids and take the photos and so it's wonderful and that's why I want to take it to Iran uh, unfortunately um, Ural have offered me one that's um, uh painted in camouflage and I'm not really sure if that's a very good idea <laughs> going as a British person to Iran with an uh, army uh, style we even outfit. left a machine gun yeah, exactly. it looks so, authentic you know, I come in peace but, um, so I want to paint it red or pink or something ridiculous so I'm, 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 we'll see how that goes if it doesn't work out I'll just be on my trusty um, Yamaha TTR250 It'd be pretty cool on a Euro one. Yeah, Todd, I think Todd it would. Todd one. Does he? You see, I love Todd. I love, uh, you said he sucks, but I think he's cool. Hi, Todd. <laughs> you know I'm just going to edit all that <laughs> Yeah, out. yeah, you can't edit that out. It's no. just going to be nothing but Todd sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's no, got you're Euro. Yours of the future. And, and uh, there's been more here this year than ever before. I think they're, they are being used for overland travel much more than ever. And it, I think they're, they're the way great. You they're can brilliant see, fun. I mean, Todd rides around with a lawnmower in his. Exactly. He, he, you can carry everything. You see, I go to a lawn, I can buy a carpet, put it in the sidecar, take it home, you know. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. If I can get it the right colour, I'll go um, on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did that one in orange, so I'm sure they'd be willing yeah, to do one orange, for you in pink. pink yeah. Red, I don't know. Something that doesn't make but me look like I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a war, basically. Pink with, like, Hello Kitty faces yeah, on that's it? That's taking it too far. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't, I can't do Hello Kitty. What? <laughs> She's the ultimate ambassador of love and friendship. <laughs> well, maybe you've got a point. <laughs> I like Hello Kitty. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll talk to you all about a limited edition, maybe. I'll see what they say. <laughs> I would totally buy it. Um, <laughs> so you're doing it around, and that's going to lead to a book? I'm hoping so, but um, you can normally only get a 30-day visa for one, so I may have to go back on multiple okay. trips to see if I can extend it or whatever but yeah I mean hopefully that'll be my third book um, Why Iran? Why Iran? Because Iran, Iran. Uh, yeah so Iran I should sure? say in, as soon as I'm in America I don't Iran um, because really everything I hear about Iran from people who have been there is completely different to what I hear on the news right. so I'm intrigued about what the reality of it, of it is because I've heard wonderful things about how everyone is so friendly and hospitable and it's a beautiful country and it's just people rave about it. But then, of course, anything you hear about it on, you know, CNN or BBC or whatever, it's all fire and brimstone and, right. you know, the nuclear war's about to start. So, so I'm thinking, well, what is the truth, you know? What's it really like? So that's the motivation really for all of my trips. It's like, what's it really like? That's why I went to the Congo because, of course, you hear horrible things about that part of the world and I was thinking, is it really that horrible? So, again, it's the same with Iran. I just want to go and find out and hopefully write a book and tell 
the truth about what it's really like. Out of these trips you've done, mm. is there an experience that you would call the most negative? Negative experience. I mean, overall, they're positive experiences because you do come away realizing that the world is full of friendly people. Well, yeah, everyone I talk to that do these trips, they come back and they're very invigorated yeah. and have a much wider perspective. Absolutely. And I keep thinking... And the, even when they have breakdowns and stuff, they're like, no, that was part of the And then that's part of the fun. That's when right. it gets good, yeah. I'm like, there's got to be something wrong. Something bad. Okay. Something is bad. bad. Something okay. bad. You got yeah. sick. Someone yeah, yeah, you get you. sick. You get sick. And border crossings can't, are often not that much fun. You know, they can be a bit intimidating sometimes. And, I, you know, have to pay a few bribes to the policemen and that kind of stuff. Dealing with uniformed officials, basically. What you find is that the people, the people of the country, like anywhere, are great. And it's the governments that are screwed up. Okay. Know? So, and of course, the news that you hear on t on TV is all about what governments are doing. Right. It's not what normal people do. So, when you do have to deal with government officials getting visas, crossing borders, that's when it gets uh, tedious and can be unpleasant. You okay. Know? You can you'd be a bit roughed up and have to hand over money and all that kind What's of thing. What's the worst border? The worst border I ever had was going into Honduras. It took hours and hours, and I had to give loads of money to lots of horrible men in uniforms. But uh, that was that was the worst one. Um, I mean, in Africa, there were some hairy moments. You know, crossing the Congo River from Brazzaville to Kinshasa was pretty pretty hairy, and entering Kinshasa. But again, you know, you're just dealing with people at the end of the day, and if you do just go in there with a smile and you're very patient, and you're not hassling and you're not acting like the big westerner who wants this and wants that you know just be humble and friendly and laid back and take your time and people respond to that okay biggest tip you would give a solo rider going on a trip mm -hmm. what is it and would you give different advice to a male versus a female solo rider do you know i wouldn't actually because it, it, at the end of the day it's a you know a human's a human i mean obviously men and women are different but but I think Thank two. God. Yeah, well, quite. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be in trouble otherwise, wouldn't we? But um, the the travel experience is essentially the same. And I think I was in a woman's panel, women's panel, the other day at the expo talking about this. And so much was being made about safety and security and self defence and carrying knives and mace. And I just had to stop everyone and say, "Sorry, you know, this is it's too much focus on fear." And, and there's really it's so little to be fearful of, as I found. I was terrified before I left on my trip, don't get me wrong. But it was as soon as I got out there, I realised there is nothing to fear. You do, obviously, you have to be careful and you have to be sensible and trust your instincts. Your instincts become very well honed, um, more so than when you're in your regular life at home. So you do have a sense of what, what what's a bit iffy and who to avoid and where to avoid. But that's, you know, I live in London, you know. I mean, it's like you have to do that there as well. So, really, I would say the advice would be just to get out there, give it a go, and be open and friendly, and obviously be sensible about what you're up to. But um, you'll be very surprised that the world is, you know, far more welcoming than we may realise. Okay. So only be afraid of bears and spiders? Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, yeah that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm terrified of them. Too many, too many eyes. <laughs> I saw the pictures of bear eating people. Yeah, well, absolutely. When I was camping in Alaska, I was terrified of bears, but I've never felt terrified of humans, you know. I think that, that most people are decent and can be reasoned with. Like, Did you carry bear spray? No, no. 357? 44 Magnum? I don't even know what those 45 things mean. <laughs> no, just me. Spear? No. <laughs> Crossbow? You're, oh, yeah. Uh, you're English, so you would obviously be all medieval med weaponry, so a trebuchet. <laughs> no, don't even know what that is. I have a lady shave. 
you know, if you shave my legs, that's probably about as vicious as it got. legs on the road? Absolutely. Keep my toenails painted. You've got to keep sitting, you Why? know, civilised. Just because when you're sitting in a tent and you haven't washed for a week and you're in the middle of nowhere and everything's covered in mud, if your toenails are in good shape, you can feel good about yourself. It's all about morale, keeping morale high. So I should start and cleaning my nails? I don't know if it applies to men, actually. That is probably the one bit of advice I, I wouldn't give to the gentleman. But, you know, it might work. Shaving you know? your Shaving, keep your legs shaved and your toenails painted red and you'll feel all right. And have a decent cup of tea every morning. What kind of tea? Oh, good, proper English breakfast. Oh, I like English breakfast. Yeah. Uh, what kind of gear do you wear? Well, I'm a big fan of not looking like a motorcyclist, so I will try to wear kind of regular plain-coloured clothing, uh, I just wore, in Africa, obviously, it's really hot most of the time, so I just wore lightweight kind of hiking trousers, um, like ankle boots, like desert boots, um, mm-hmm. and a, a kind of pale-coloured motorcycle jacket, which is very plain, and I'll try to avoid kind of logos and flashy colours and all that. So, so I think, not like those guys out there. Well, no, <laughs> the I'm, also, no I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of all that motocross gear and <laughs> everything. Because uh, for me, I like to, when I get off the bike and I, I go into a, a store or walk around a village, you know, trying to find something to eat or something, I don't want to look like I'm... I've landed from out of space, you know, so I wear an open face helmet so I can meet, look people in the eye and, and smile at them and, and, and that's really important. And I think also try not to flash your wealth because even though you might, you know, consider yourself wealthy, once you get into places like South America and Central America and Africa and Asia, you are wealthy compared to them. So, you know, turning up on a motorcycle costs $20,000 is, you know, is kind of uncomfortable. So if you can ride a tatty old bike, look, wear tatty old clothes, you'll blend in a little bit better and of course there's less stuff to worry about breaking or losing or having stolen or whatever it is you worry about so you're not so much into the armor um my jacket had armor and had armor okay. in the in the but you want it to look i like it to look really plain yeah and there are some great motorcycle clothes that um uh that are very plain and just happen to have a kind of armor that's not too you know obtrusive. Right, right. so that's yeah that's my so you oh, want to blend in. I do. Yeah. I very, very important for me to blend in. Yeah, yeah, like you go travel, you go to these places, you want to blend in as much as you as can. As much as possible. It is hard when you're a white woman with bright red hair, you know, blending in in an African village is kind of hard, but, you know, I try with to do the, the best accent, I can. With accent. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Good blending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would totally pin you from being from Arizona. Well, quite. Yeah. Well, I've never had a tan in my life. Quite. I've never had a suntan, so, you know. <laughs> they don't say that here. Quite. No one says quite. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say quite. We don't say... What are things you guys say? Crikey. Blimey. We don't say that. <laughs> no, blimey. No, we don't say bollocks. Oh, really? We don't say shag. No. no. It's just, there's a bunch of words you guys... We you, have, you got good words, though. We don't say dude. Well, we do, but it doesn't sound as good. What is the British accent? You, you, it sounds... <laughs> you got the educated accent, and you're saying dude. It's just wrong. Sounds silly, doesn't it? Yes, it yeah. does. It's, it doesn't work. No. Um, is the food in England as bad as I've heard? It's getting a lot better, actually. <laughs> if the Indian food Not my wasn't cooking, there. But the Indian food has saved the day, actually. Yeah. If it wasn't for the Indian food. <laughs> no, we have finally caught up with the rest of Europe. You can get a decent meal nowadays. Okay. Maybe not on the trains. but um, What's with the warm beer? That's uh, I don't mind a bit of warm beer, but obviously it only works in a cold country. Oh, I okay. think that's what it is. You see, you wouldn't have warm beer in Arizona. But in London, a, a pint of warm ale is just not warm, but room temperature. You know, it's like red wine. Yeah. You get the you get the um the flavour that way. Okay, so you got your two books out now. Yeah. You got the Iran trip coming, and maybe something coming after that. Well, I hope so. I also do a. I mean, as far as a book or. Well, I yeah, I mean, I'm hoping the Iran trip will turn into a book. So that will be my my trilogy, really. Uh, I suppose, and I also do a. 
annual all women tour somewhere in the world with um, a company called Compass Expeditions. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. which is great fun. And last year, uh, me and a bunch of women went to Brazil, which was amazing and highly recommended for a, a motorcycle trip. Gorgeous country. And then this year we go to Tan- Tasmania. Neat. Yeah, so um, that would be. If I put fun. on a wig. You could try. I've had a few men suggest that a dress and a bit of lipstick. You might get away with it. Shave you have my to legs shave it. Yeah, yeah. Start shaving. Nails. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. See you there. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for seeing. Brilliant. Talk Thank you. Us. It's been a pleasure, and I'm glad we finally made it. What's your favorite podcast? It's Wheelers, of course. It's Chuck and Todd. Last, last question. Most important. Would you ride on the back of my versus? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, so that was my time with Lois. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I got a hold of Lois on the loose when my wife got me a whole bunch of motorcycle books. And I read them all, but that was the one that, like, I've reread more than once. She just, she, well, I mean, obviously you just heard her. She's so much fun. Mm-hmm. She's just, like, an absolute hoot. I, I've only read the excerpts from the Adventure Motorcycle and mm-hmm. Handbook, but they yep. were great. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to the extent, too, I had a friend in England, and we had a deal with her. We were like, okay, we need you to go and buy this book by this lowest price person. And the first bookshop she went to didn't have it. <laughs> so she had to she had to hunt around for this book for us. Who's this then? Lois who? Lois who? The rise of the bike. Reading? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Letters? <laughs> Words on paper? Go to the old globe like a proper Englishman. The hell you say? <laughs> so yeah, but so uh, her second book, uh, Red Tape and White Knuckles, is fantastic. Also, um, the Congo train ride is chilling. You know what I, I've been? I was suggesting to every one of the writers I met there, mm-hmm. audiobook, audiobook, audiobook. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but like this past. You know, oh, the long-ass trip on the highway, audiobooks audio book. are where it's at. Right? I was listening, when we were coming back on the Rocky Mountain Trench, and it was just a long, straight roads across Wyoming, I was listening to Soon I Will Be Invincible the whole way back. Right? It's, it's just, perfect. Imagine if these books were audiobooks. That would be so... That would be great. That would be awesome. That, Fantastic. I, everyone I talked to, her, Bill Dwyer, um, I think I even mentioned it, I, Andrew Payne, I think him and I talked about it. Hmm. An audiobook version. Alison Delap, I know I mentioned it to her. You know, if only they knew somebody who had recording equipment and good voices who could record this stuff. Someone who could make their books sound very important and very smart. There I was, in Africa. You know, I was following, I was with you up until the point you said good voices. Good voices. Well, one good voice and Chuck. Shut up. <laughs> Bill Dwyer, actually, he liked uh, his book, uh, Anxiety Across the Americas. Mm-hmm. He really liked the idea, and he said he had the idea of doing an audiobook while doing the ride. You know, that's a nice idea, except you'd have a lot of awkward silences. Well, I think it, the, the book would be like, da 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 And oh my god, look how that went! Thank you for purchasing this Audible book. <laughs> Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but yeah. I mean, she was so much fun. No, I mean, I was with her in private in a trailer for that whole interview. Yeah, just me and her, just as far away. As she said, it sounds creepy when you say it like that. <laughs> but the the fact that the fact that you were you know thirty fifty feet from a bunch of goobers riding around on BMW GSs. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, about the gear thing, the BMW. Uh, branded clothing was uh-huh. like the uniform. <laughs> the, the uniform day. of the expo, huh? <laughs> oh my god. 
<laughs> Did they have the one the one we talked about that projects the BMW logo onto the clouds? Uh, you know, I went to bed fairly early each night, but they might have. Well, you got pissed drunk, huh? No, I, I didn't really get that drunk. Oh. I was, uh, it got dark, I Chuck got sleepy. Clearly you were, you were lost without me. There was a lot of drunk people. <laughs> there was an impressive amount of booze. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it get dark, I got sleepy. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I was, I'm, I'm old. Mm-hmm. But, we know uh, it. Oh man, she was just so much fun to talk to. It was so great. Oh, to Lois get to sit is down. And now, now you're totally going to read the book. I want her to do an audiobook in I, her voice. That, that would really add to it. I love it. That the- would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, motorcycle riders, do an audiobook. Mm-hmm. In helmet audiobook, that's, it's such a natural idea. That's. Yeah, anytime you got to cruise some highway to get somewhere, that audiobook is just where it's at. What do you think about what she was saying about gear and stuff? You know, it's interesting because I was thinking about that as she was talking about it. I'm thinking about the gear I tend to be gravitating toward lately, and it is kind of that, like, more so gear. The Falstaff jacket? Yeah. It just looks like a wax cotton jacket. I mean, my shoulders look a little big, but other than that, it just looks like a jacket. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm thinking of making my own pants and to go with it, and it's like, you know, they... Wait, what? I'm thinking of making my own pants. <laughs> Please, go on. Take take some other pants as a basis of something pretty bulletproof. Uh-huh. Like some overall type of things. Uh-huh. And put armor in them. <laughs> like uh, like Carhartts or... Yeah, something like... cotton or... Carhartts and wax them, say. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. would be wax cotton at that point. What are you laughing at? Nothing. I'm just picturing... Uh-huh. Well, your wife can sew, right? She's... Yeah. She's pretty crafty. Mm-hmm. I'm just picturing the pants you put together. I'm not going to put them together. <laughs> I got somebody who knows how to put a pair of pants together together. I put pants together, I just end up with a skirt, and I'd be like, fuck, why is there only one leg? It's a kilt. What is this crap? <laughs> it's the it's the armored kilt. The riding kilt. The riding kilt. It goes with knee armor. There were a few guys there in kilts. In utility kilts? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, sweaty balls. <laughs> um. But yeah, she was she was so much fun. The, the, the thing she was saying about Iran, that... That is my That's thoughts cool. exactly about Iran. Every time I ever see somebody taking pictures there, I mean, keep in mind, Iran is the, the, the civilization there goes back forever and ever. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the cultural um, dick brains, whatever their names are, have destroyed a ton of the really amazing old stuff, but quite a bit of it still remains. Yeah, because yeah. um, they haven't got around to destroying it yet. Yeah, they're working on it. You yeah, know? yeah, they're busy. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there's there's just so much history there, and it's a beautiful, beautiful country from all the pictures I see. So, you know, you, people think of Iran, and they're like, oh, well, it's in the Middle East, must be all desert. Nope. No, I mean, Iran's pretty big. It's got mountains and all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a whole country. Yeah, go figure, huh? Yeah, I was figuring, sorry. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> so, so tell me about the rest of the expo, I mean, meeting Lois. <laughs> Yeah, the the whole weekend was was like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, this was a great. It was, everything was cool. So it started out. I was planning to do a two day trip down, mm. two day trip back. Sure, and that didn't work out. Oh, <laughs> I ended up um, sleeping in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shocked, Chuck. Yeah, so I didn't start packing until about ten o'clock the day after I was supposed to leave. <laughs> And I wonder why all the trips with you start like this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't leave until one. 
<laughs> Great. And uh, my packing was... Uh, I, Haphazard? Let's say I chose poorly. Oh, good. <laughs> In many ways. Uh, do, do tell. If you, You've seen the pictures I posted on, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, with the, where, you, you, as usual, you look like the Clampets. Um, I, I packed for a vacation, a week-long vacation to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I took my swimsuit. Oh. I don't know why I took my swimsuit. Well, in case you were in the desert in Arizona and were swimming. Except I didn't take my towel. Well, you're in a desert. There's no water. <laughs> I, 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 I took a toothbrush, but no toothpaste. Nice. Nice. You find something. Yeah. I took my camp stove, mm-hmm. but no food or water. Cool. That's always a good plan. Yeah. You could cook things that you kill. You could cook roadkill. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I did things rather poorly. Mm. Mm. But, you know, I, I kind of figured, hey, I, I took our advice. Mm-hmm. I'm in America. That's true. You're not really <laughs> out in the wilds. I run into a Walmart every hour. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't that worried about it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I had uh, a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using a new bag, mm-hmm. dry bag from Twisted Throttle. Yeah. Worked great. Cool. Um, I had Nelson Rig style bags from before. Mm-hmm. And that seahorse case that I screwed to the rack. Yep. Everything worked fine. Cool. Um, did not break down. Good. Let me just do the spoil right there. There were no mechanical problems. You know, this versus really is boring. <laughs> I mean, the, the no girls on the back thing. I mean, it was great that you put the bag there as the, the anti-girl on the back device. Yeah, but... Which uh, our listeners were quick to point out. Yes, yes. The No Girls Allowed bag. I think I might redo the seat. Yeah? Yeah. I was I was not thrilled with it, I'll be yes. honest with you. I was getting saddle sore the second day. Mm. I think it's time time to call okay. folks at Russell. Either Russell or Corbin. Because I did like Corbin. Mm. Mm. Um, or even Sergeant has a new seat for the Versus. I know how you feel about Sergeant. I really don't like Sergeant. Yeah. Maybe I'll call Russell. I've yet I to encounter know. a sergeant. John, John's wife Julia, me, the guy who bought my seat, and uh, so on. Everybody's like sergeant. Eh. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, anyways, I left at one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um. It's about five hundred thirty miles mm-hmm. from here to Flagstaff or wherever. Yeah. And I didn't go direct. Mm-hmm. I didn't take the fifteen. I actually uh. Cut off at Scipio. Mm-hmm. It took 89. Took 89. Yeah, which is almost as fast. And a little bit more scenic. A little bit more scenic. You, know, you kind of hit the, the edge of Route 12 and mm-hmm. you know, go through the canyons. Yeah. And you go over the dam at Page. Mm-hmm. And then you run into where 89 is closed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> for landslides. Yep. And then it takes you on this detour into the Indian reservations. Yep. Which it turns out is a foreign country. Yes, yes, and he's very large. And you get lost at about 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird to pull into, like, a 7-Eleven there, and there's all these posters advertising movies and TV shows you'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Kind of like coming to Utah. Yeah. You yeah. get all these movies you'd never heard of. Well, they, you know, it's a foreign country. It's a foreign country. <laughs> but I did need a, a meet a nice dog. Oh, good. He shared my beef jerk. If I had had a euro... I would he have might have just come with. I would have had a new dog. <laughs> he wanted to go. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he was a stray. Mm. Hard to say. Anyway. Or he's just uh, one who hangs around 7-Eleven with suckers. Could be. So I rolled into the Overland Expo at Mormon Lake at about, about 12.30. Mm-hmm. Um, it was dark. It was Go figure. How are the versus his lights, by the way? Fine. Good. I was not the last one there. Wow. But 
five minutes as I'm sitting there looking at this darkened campground. No dead, idea where anyone is. Dead to the world. This Ninja 500 comes in right after me. <laughs> <laughs> he just pops his helmet off. He's like, is this the place? <laughs> <laughs> yep, maybe. <laughs> There's the registration table. <laughs> There's no one at it. <laughs> yep. So we're like looking around. We're flashing, you know, shining our lights. Now, um, jumping back. You remember our previous guests, the Adventure Trio, Sandy and Terry, mm-hmm. they invited me to crash at their campsite. Right. Which was somewhere in the darkness. She told me the number of it, mm-hmm. and I can kind of see on the map where it should be, mm-hmm. but that place was swarmed with bikes mm-hmm. and tents, and I didn't just want to go tromping through to see mm-hmm. which was which. Yeah. Hello! Right. So, um, the Overland, Overland Expo, if you don't know anything about it, I guess it, might, it started out initially as a four-wheeled mm-hmm. overland yeah. thing, and the motorcycle sort of a sideline edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had the motorcycle campers way off in a different mm-hmm. part in the hinterlands. Yeah. yeah. So him, Graham and I, this is, his name is Graham. Hi, Graham. On the Ninja 500. So not his first. He's been riding for a while. Mm-hmm. He just loves that bike. Okay, cool. And he came from Canada. Wow. On the Ninja 500. Nice. Yeah, that was cool. We uh, we mount up and we drive off. And we get to the motorcycle camping village, mm-hmm. which is just an open field with tents and bikes. Mm-hmm. And we're like, how about here? <laughs> <laughs> we set up our tents, fall asleep, wake up the next morning. I ended up moving my, my campsite into uh, Sandy and Terry's when I found it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it was... This, it was so big, this expo. Mm. There's just so many things to see. Mm-hmm. Most of it was cars. Yeah. Um, there was like this motorcycle village and motorcycle vendor. Dare I say it, motorcycle ghetto? Yeah, kind of a ghetto. <laughs> but I met so many people. I met Andrew Payne, been on the show. The yep, the in person. Met him in person. He was giving some presentations about riding light, going light. Mm-hmm. The Adventure Trio, obviously. Nicholas mm-hmm. Spinoza and Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. Carla King, Ben Slavin, Chris Scott, Lois Price, Austin Vince. Just, you know, so, it was so great. Ted Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, Meet all these people in person. Yeah. Out. And uh, every one of our previous guests remembered me. Cool. Which I was actually a little surprised about. Yeah. Uh, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we all I remember you guys. That was fun. Carlos even said I was not as creepy in person as I was during the interview. That's impressive. Yeah, I was, I was trying really hard. Hmm. I mean, not to say I didn't creep anybody out, mm-hmm. but, you know, I didn't creep her out. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Mondo, Austin Vince was doing an adventure tour film festival, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the uh, highlights of that was the premiere of his new Mondo Sahara. Ooh, fun. Yeah. I got an interview with him that will be playing on the future show. show. Future show. Cool. There's a lot of vendors. Okay. One, so, examples. Rawhide was there. Okay. Rawhide Adventures. They were running classes. They were running trips. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Charlie Borman booth. Ooh, ooh. Did it include what you would expect in a Charlie Borman booth? Uh, there was a TV showing videos. Excellent. Of Charlie Borman. Of Charlie Borman. Mm-hmm. Were there, were there books by Charlie Borman about Charlie Borman? Uh, I, I didn't see any books. I think there might have been flyers about Charlie Borman. Oh, okay. Excellent. In the Charlie Borman booth. Uh-huh. And there was big yep. posters, big banners. Ooh. Of Charlie Borman. It said Charlie Borman on them in large letters. Yes. Is with pictures of Charlie Borman? Yes. Uh, this Charlie Borman booth sounds like a Charlie Borman experience. It was. There was people in the booth manning it. Mm-hmm. And they were doing so on behalf of Charlie Borman. Yes. On behalf of Charlie Borman. 
Because mm. the Charlie Borman booth was only missing one thing. Keychains. Well, yeah, okay, two things. Keychains and Charlie Borman. And Charlie Borman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to think he doesn't really exist. <laughs> I'm starting to think he's a sophisticated puppet operated by a conglomeration of telly makers. A creation of Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's going to felt pop off the head one day. It'll be Ewan McGregor. <laughs> it's been me. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alt Rider was there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, got to see Jeremy again from uh, Alt Rider. He, he was, uh, Pretty happy to see us again. He'd like to come back on the show sometime. Cool. Um, Red Verse was there. Red Verse, huh? They're the guys that make the tent with the garage. Oh, oh, yeah, that thing. And yeah. uh, the guy who owns it or founded it went to the car this past uh, year, mm-hmm. crashed his bike, crashed out of it. Mm-hmm. But he had his bike there. No need. Uh, Twisted Throttle was there. Happy Trails was there. Rawhide, the was, Rawhide was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the usual spots. Black Dog Cycle Work was there. Giant Loop was there. Rawhide was there. Uh, you said Rawhide more than once. There was also the Lost for Cause charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Grace's charity. We got an interview with him that will come up on a future show. Cool. Um, Rawhide was there. What, what? Why do you keep going back to Rawhide? Did you go back by their booth a bunch? They didn't have a booth. They didn't have a booth? No. They had like three motorhomes. Okay. Motorhomes and like, a coffee bar. Ah, uh, and this, it's coming clear now. This giant thing. Mm-hmm. Thing. There was a lot of rawhide there. Rawhide Euro was there. Oh, good. Euro of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a bunch of euros there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of ladies like Nicole, Carla, Lois, mm-hmm. um, Allison. And now I'm sure I'm forgetting people. They all yeah. piled into the euro. They were tearing around. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was the, the, you could have subtitled Motorcycle Ghetto as the Rawhide Experience. <laughs> Rawhide! They were a good, I mean, if you cut this Motorcycle Ghetto up, up into quarters, mm-hmm. they were a good 25%. Wow. Whenever they went out on one of their group-led rides, mm-hmm. this giant line of BMWs and appropriately uniformed BMW riders went with them. Oh, well, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were, they were like, they were like lice. Like, you, you come back to your tent and there's a BMW rider rooting around in your food. You're like, get out of there! <laughs> I was wearing a BMW shirt a couple mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Just to try to blend in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. My Versus was the only Versus. You weren't wearing a wheel nerd shirt? No. I, I wore, I wore a bunch of different shirts. You didn't run around putting wheel nerd stickers on all the bikes? I was handing out wheel nerd stickers. That's good. And wheel nerds cards. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, I got a Lost for a Cause shirt, mm-hmm. a BMW shirt, a black dog shirt. Wow. So general impressions on the whole. I mean, the event itself, is it all about just, I mean, vendors being there? Is it all about just meeting different people who travel around? And what goes on besides selling stuff? So besides Showing selling stuff, stuff, they do a bunch of um, seminars and classes. Hmm. So, like, there's the Travel Film Festival. Austin was running that during the whole thing. You sure. You could go in and see what movies he was running. Mm-hmm. Different writers are giving talks about their trips, like mm-hmm. Allison DeLapp. Apologize if I'm screwing up her name. She has, uh, I think her website is Allison's Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Clever, clever. Yes, yeah. Um, she did a South America trip, and she had just gotten back like the previous week. Mm-hmm. And I, if I remember right, it was a six-month trip. Oh, wow. So. so she was back, and she gave a talk and a slideshow about it. Oh, cool. Chris Scott gave a talk about doing Sahara, overlanding in the Sahara. Mm-hmm. It had a slideshow on it. Um, there was round tables with um, all of these overland motorcycle riders talking about their trips. 
Andrew Payne did a seminar about going light, packing light. Mm-hmm. So you're saying we might even get in there and do a seminar on being asshats. I think I was doing that already. Yeah. Just, you know, as sort of a roving sure. show. By example. Yeah. yeah. There was a couple of times I'm pretty sure Andrew was going to tase me. <laughs> oh, Sandy from uh, the Adventure Trail. Yeah. Her and uh, she was doing like a healthy cooking thing. Ooh, neat. Nicole Espinosa was doing stuff with kids. Mm-hmm. I think she might have been doing, she was doing like a dehydration food preservation thing. Ooh, neat. Yeah, there was so many, so much stuff to go to and like sit in on. Mm-hmm. Um, Rawhide was doing in uh, dirt training. Hmm. They had uh, you heard in the interview that you know they had this this thing we were, Lois and I were sitting next to with the berms and the mm-hmm. bumps and stuff. Kind of looked like a NSF course in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were running that intro, intermediate, advanced. Oh, neat. There were rides that were being guided out. You know, even the car stuff was interesting. The car stuff was overwhelming. Mm. There was a, this giant motorhome. With mm. the fold-out panels, sure, pulling a giant trailer. Okay, and in the side of that was another trailer that was pulled by a jeep. What? Yeah, and that the little trailer was a kitchen, and it had a tiny jeep in it, and and that jeep had and <laughs> the little trailer was a kitchen. It was like this fold-out folding kitchen thing. Why do you have a trailer's kitchen inside a trailer? Well, I well, I, I think they were selling the trailer, or the the they were selling whatever we had to do with the little trailer, and that was their their travel getup. Oh, oh, okay. So they they were living in their motorhome, towing a trailer which contained a jeep for no apparent reason and a trailer and a trailer. Say so like this trailer could be pulled by this jeep, which we have in this trailer. Yep. <laughs> One of the highlights of the show was all, uh, all of us motorcycle people were sitting around watching them. They, they, they hooked a trailer to the front of the Jeep and uh-huh. pushed it into the other trailer. And we were just watching this operation happen. Were you cheering and like putting up cards and? Well, we, we were just kind of, everyone was just kind of looking into the trailer like, God! <laughs> people were talking about they had seen these, these, these vehicles were like bedrooms with carpets and dog beds. Like giant solar cells and, and camping yurts and go through the vendor section. And it's like each vendor in the overlander section was, it was like they were trying to outcompete with each other with bigger and better. Well, it's nice to see that this isn't just going on in the motorcycle world. But clearly not. They've got the 1200 GS of cars. They've got that beat. Yeah, they're, we, they've we're got behind that, the, the eight ball here. They've got that. BMW, let's go. We need a GS <laughs> that has beds in the panniers. <laughs> Get busy. <laughs> it, it was it was amazing the stuff you could see. There were some general camping um, companies there. Yeah. Um, everybody's like, whoa, what's that? Is that a, a tan? tan? <laughs> <laughs> Folding bathrooms and showers. People do know you can poop in the bushes, right? Um, a lot of vehicles where the tent would pop out of the mm-hmm. top yep. and then extend over the vehicle. Oh, that's the thing now. That's because they do it in Africa so you can stay away yeah. from the lions. Yeah. Yeah. Landover had a huge presence. They had a big overlanding course set up where you could run Land their cars through it mm-hmm. or your own vehicles through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I gotta be honest, someday I would sort of probably get a big kick out of owning a sports mobile with like a DR six fifty stuck to the back of it. That'd be a boot. Uh, there were more than a few of these motorhomes with uh, GS twelve hundreds stuck to the back of them. Well and, fancy people have those. And they look small. I have <laughs> Those are for fancy people. 
I would have a shit can DR650, <laughs> maybe a KLR, maybe a TTR, you know, something shitty. It was, uh, it was pretty amazing. But I, there, there was so much to see. You can't take it all in. One I, trip. I could have took it all in and mm. I spent way too much money. Oh, really? Because I have a problem consumption. Do you, Chuck? Yes. What, uh, what, what's your, uh, what's your laundry list from the Overland Expo? I bought a tank bag from Giant Loop. Don't you already have a tank bag? Not for the Versus. Oh, okay. Um, so tank bag. Okay. That's I like that's, a dedicated tank bag. I had that sure. backpack tank mm-hmm. bag thing. Yeah. But I bought like an actual waterproof, well, waterish mm-hmm. proof, yeah. water resistant material, mm-hmm. Giant Loop tank bag. Okay. So a new tank bag. That's not totally whacked. Okay. Go on. I bought a, a, a well, you know, I have this thing about grills. Grills? Grills. Grills. Like barbecue grills. Okay, sure. So I bought this thing called the Slat Grill. The Slat Grill? Yeah. Essentially a little titanium Lincoln log set that assembles into a grill, weighs about a pound, Uh pound and a half, folds into an envelope about yay big. Chuck is holding his hands apart. About a foot. Okay. That's, uh, That's a little weird. I have a thing about grills. Okay, so then you have to power it with something. Well, I hear an ice cream truck. Pause the recording. You can't leap off of my balcony. This is the second. There's floor. a goddamn ice cream truck down there. No, I've got ice cream in the freezer. I like this new. Do you studio. want ice cream? <laughs> I want ice cream and interesting. Heel, sit. Heel. <laughs> Sorry, focusing. Bad. Do they have a trailer for that ice cream truck? <laughs> It folds out of one of the motorhomes. <laughs> okay, so you bought you bought this, I bought this slightly camping wacky cramping grill. grill. You could put wood in it, charcoal in it, sure, you could put okay. a stove in it. I'm going to classify it as medium wacky. We'll have to test it out on a camping trip. And then I bought a solar thing. A solar thing. A solar thing. How big is the solar thing in question? Uh, well, the, the battery portion of it is about the size of a router. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it has an inverter built in uh, along mm-hmm. with direct USB plugs, mm-hmm. 12-volt plug, mm-hmm. laptop-specific plug. Sure. And the solar cell is about the size of the top of my my uh, seahorse case. Ah, so enough to just barely trickle charge a phone over the course of several days. No, it actually kept my phone fully charged the entire weekend. I'm impressed. And it never, I think it used about 20%. The only way I drained it was... Uh, charging my iPad from zero to thirty percent. Ah, how long did it take the battery that charged? By sunlight? Yeah. It took about eight hours to go from zero to sixty percent. That's the thing with those solar things. It's a nice idea, but the actual solar doesn't do a hell of a lot. Solar panels need a lot of panel to get anything resembling useful power. I I don't know. I mean that wasn't bad. That was it was better than nothing, I'll give you that. But it's it's like a, the full day riding coming back mm-hmm. got it from Dead battery to sixty percent mm-hmm. on the on the the cell itself. Sure, and and that topped off my uh, iPad and phone. Mm-hmm. No problem. All right then. Well, maybe they're getting better. It, it the was, one I had was useless. It was pretty impressive. Okay, so solar battery thing getting into dorky zone. That was it. Oh, that was okay. all I bought. Well, yeah. some shirts and hats. Sure. Yeah. Did they have BMW on them? No, that that was a freebie. Mm. <laughs> what? Okay. So your Versus was the only Versus there? Yes. It's a little surprising, actually. So, well, we'll talk about that. The whole thing, Overland Expo, totally worth going to. Mm. Definitely. If you can go there at all and you have any interest whatsoever in uh, road tripping, adventure motorcycling, overlanding motorcycling, motorcycling, just go. Mm. 
Um, it's so much better to go to these vendor booths and see the, the thing there. Sure, and then just it. looking online. I almost bought giant loop saddlebags. Mm. Those uh, are supposed to be nice. Yeah, I, I saw them, and I was like, wow, I want these. Mm. The tank bag was as far as I was willing to go, because I was mm. like, well, what am I going to do with another set of saddlebags? On the- How am I going to buy... How am I going to buy gas on the way home? <laughs> <laughs> My credit card did get shut off. What happens if you... <laughs> what? <laughs> or they were like, there's a lot of weird spending. There's some weird <laughs> spending going on in Arizona right now with your card, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Could you turn it back on, please? I, I really, I really want to buy this thing. That would be great. Thanks. Thank you. All right, so you were the only verses there. Did people know what it was? I mean, were there people oh, yeah, who were baffled they by it? Okay. No, they knew what it was. Um, a lot of people were buying this. Uh, the company is a Utah company. They're based on Salt Lake mm-hmm. called Gold Zero. Gold Zero. And uh, quite a few people were buying stuff. Andrew Payne spoke pretty highly of it. He's got the smaller battery in, I think, the 13-volt panel. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. He had, like, an older panel of theirs, and he had an upgrade. He upgraded to a new panel. Yep. And they, they, I think they gave it to him because they didn't make the old one anymore. I forgot. He, yeah. You know. Anyways, he spoke pretty highly of them. Oh, cool. And I ended up buying the, a step up mm-hmm. so that I could power, you know, my iPad or even Sophie's projector. I'm thinking putting one of those on the nose of the Ural might explode my geekiness too. Here's port on scene levels. I, I tied mine down to the top of my, uh, my, mm-hmm. my, uh, back case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, both days, because I took two days coming back for real. Mm-hmm. Both days I went from zero to sixty percent by the end of the day. I have to. I have to think though, in case the Ural might be a little silly. Well, yeah, you, you generate so much freaking power, you could just leave the Ural running. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you could pull in the camp, leave the Ural running, plug everything into it, <laughs> run everything into it anyway. Run some extension cords to other campsite. <laughs> Sell power to the campers. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, nice. But. Uh, it, so any, any bad things about it? I mean, was there anything that you found a little off-putting there? At the expo? No. No? Okay. Cool people at the expo in general. You know, I was hanging out with uh, basically... The motorcycle? The, the, the click, yeah. Yeah. The niche, yeah. Uh, they had a big party at the end after they closed to the public. Mm-hmm. Chill out and BS. Cool. Except, like I said, every time the sun went down, I pretty much turned off. Mm-hmm. So I would go back to my tent and go... Chuck Sleepy. Yeah, Chuck Sleepy. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the expo, um, I took two days. To, you know, I had two days to come back. Mm-hmm. And I decided I'm going to go to Grand Canyon. Oh, cool. So I went to the North Rim. I heard that's great. Um, oh, it was beautiful. And the best thing, I turned my GPS off. Cool. Both days. Yeah. Coming back. I, I was like, okay, I don't want this thing telling me where to go. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking at signs, deciding where mm-hmm. I wanted to turn. Paying attention to the world around you. Very liberating. Yeah, I really liked it. Not looking at a little stupid TV screen, I believe, is how Ted Simon described it. Yes. It was, uh, that's the way to go if, you, if you've got the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I went to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Got some pictures. Cool. As I'm getting ready to leave, mm-hmm. I look across the parking lot, and I see a green Ninja 500. Oh! And I was like, Graham! <laughs> go running over. He's parked next to this uh, a Yamaha Super Tenere. Oh, wow. Black one. Had Tons of ADD stickers, mm-hmm. the Dakar logo stickers, mm-hmm. lots of stickers, lots of lights. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even he had turn signals on the mirrors. On the mirrors, like, in addition to the turn signals on the on turn the signals. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like little LED bars. It's going to use a lot of blinker fluid. And uh, Graham wasn't there. He was off somewhere. But the guy with the, the Tenere was standing there. Mm-hmm. 
I think his name was Mr. Adventure. Mr. Adventure. He was French. Monsieur Adventure. <laughs> I started talking to him. And the first thing he said was, Adventure. <laughs> kind of. Did he talk in adventure voice with an accent? I was like, hey, you guys come from Overland Expo? And he's like, of course. Adventure. Obviously. Adventure. <laughs> what did you write? I was like, oh, that Versus. You know, it's a 650. Well, shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, is that your first bike? What? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's uh, my nope. fifth or sixth. <laughs> my last one was a 1200, but I, I decided to go smaller for 650. And he's like, what? <laughs> What's the gear? Literally. He's like grinding. I don't under what what? <laughs> I was like that shift in his head. Yeah, you know, I I thought I'd go with a smaller bike. I didn't really I you know, I had a twelve hundred, it was fun. I didn't see, you know it's fun to have one, but and he's like, Well I got a twelve hundred because I want to pass on the freeway. Uh and I said, literally, this is what I said. I was like, Well, I can do that on the versus. And he looked at me, he's like no. Well, he didn't say no, but the look on his face was <laughs> like, he, you're full of shit. He sir. said, really? Yeah, that's right. He said, really? And the look on his face was like, you're full of shit. <laughs> you can't like, pass on the highway on a versus. I'm like, you can't follow Billy up the canyon and ride up his tailpipe while screaming in your helmet at him. And I'm like, you know that motor's from a ninja that they race Just on so tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, it just went like right up by... He, like he didn't. Mr. Adventure could not, could not. So okay, so he was riding the the Tenere. And I was like, hey, what do you think of that bike? Uh-huh. He's like, it's as good or better than last year's GS. That's oddly specific. <laughs> as good or better than last year's GS? Shit compared to this year, <laughs> and about on par with the one before that. And I was like, well, you know, I was I was kind of thinking about getting one of those, and I was I was torn between it and the Explorer. Mm-hmm. He's like, Triumph. They don't have Triumph where I am. No Triumph dealer. With this bike, wherever I break down, there's a Yamaha dealer. Okay. Mm I'm like, so well, you must never you break down. anywhere cool. <laughs> <laughs> wherever I break down, near a major city. <laughs> okay, well, what was the state of his bike? I mean, you know, did he have, did he have like the big metal boxes, of course? Big metal boxes, yeah, lots of those. stickers, lots mm-hmm. of lights. Mm-hmm. Clean. Like, no dirt at all? There was dirt on his headers. He he pointed the dirt out on the headers. He was like, I could not get this dirt off. That was probably just pitting. No, it was actual, looked like actual dirt. Oh. And that actually led into a discussion. He looks at my verses. He's like, you know, that bike, don't take it to Alaska. You can't take it. Well, why the fuck not? I wasn't clear, and this is a question, I'm going to put it out to everybody. Okay, so can't take the verses to Oh, I know, it's because you don't need to get any girls on the back. <laughs> No. no. He couldn't either with all the stuff he had. He had, not only did he have the metal cans, mm-hmm. all three cans, he had bags on top of the cans. You thought I packed bad? I, I, this guy was ready to go to like. He had luggage, luggage. He was ready and to a go, clean bike. Yeah, he was ready to go to like the road of bones. Except he'd fall over and wouldn't be able to get the bike up. <laughs> so he looks at the verse and he's like, you have a front mounted radiator. And I was like, yes. That is generally where they go. He's like, in Prudhoe Bay, Prudhoe Bay, in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. they done something to the roads. Like, I forgot specifically what he said, but he made it sound like they had just, they retopped the roads with uh-huh. something that's gravelly or, or powdery. Well, the Hall Road is all yucky. And gravel. it becomes like this sticky mud and mm-hmm. it would clog up my radiator and my bike would overheat and catch on fire. 
And he, he took the time to point out cruiser guys. They think they can go on this boat, but they can't. Hmm. I'm just going to point a few things out vis-a-vis his front radiator problem. Yes. FJR 1300. Goldwing. Many, many, many Harleys. Soon numerous mopeds. Um, I also would like to say, where the hell is the radiator if it's not on the front? <laughs> I mean, okay, there are notable exceptions. The, oh, you know what? He's saying take a Viffer. Take a Viffer? Uh, Viffer or an ST. No, sorry, no, the ST is longitudinally mounted. Yeah, take a Viffer. Take a Viffer? Because it has radiators on the side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can only go to Prato Bay on a Viffer. Clearly. Adventure Viffer. Adventure Viffer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think the Hall Road would be much fun on a Versus. I don't think it would be much fun on a two-wheeler in general. Because <laughs> it's mostly made of rocks. And it's yeah. designed for giant trucks who crush the rocks. And run you off the road, from what I understand. But I guess that's like the the Alaska destination. You go to Alaska and go to Prado Bay. I, I heard that name a lot while I was at the. the I can't imagine why. I don't know. The Hall Road is a perfectly straight road that goes north to Prado Bay. It's gravel. Trucks try to kill you. I guess to say you did it. Yeah. No, no, because you you get to the Arctic Ocean there. Oh, okay. Because he pointed out he did it because he couldn't get the dirt from the road off of his headers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's uh. Beware the dirt. Adventure. Adventure guy. Mr. Adventure. And and the whole time I'm talking to him, I was just like, huh? Uh Yeah? Wait a second. I have a question. Where's the radiator on the Tenere? I didn't look. I assume it's in the front. I can't think of where else it would be. I don't know. It's a parallel twin engine. It's covered somehow. Uh, Radiators don't work very well if they're covered. Radiator guard. You know, they make the Touratech radiator guards and stuff. Seriously, this dude had everything changed. Mm-hmm. He pointed out, he's like, look at uh, my shift lever. It folds if the bike falls over. Stop falling over. I brought my stock shift lever in just in case. I cool. fall down between here, Arizona, and Canada. Mm-hmm. And destroy this folding shift lever made of titanium. Mm-hmm. It's very wise. You know, the, the American road system is noted for its constant destruction of shift levers of Canadian bikes. <laughs> And you know, you don't have socialized bike medicine like you do in Canada. <laughs> Wait, they have that? <laughs> Graham, why are you riding a Ninja 500? <laughs> That's what killed me is, you know, Mr. Adventure is riding back to Canada with Graham on his Ninja 500. <laughs> I pulled Graham aside and I'm like, don't let him give you any shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I just like to point out, incidentally, that I rode a 1000. And I can still pass on the highway. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I ride a 650 and I can pass on the highway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe he means when you have luggage luggage, like he does. He had a lot of luggage. Now, in fairness, I've had luggage luggage before. Okay. But there were two of us on the bike at the time. <laughs> with all of our clothes, camping gear, hiking gear, camelbacks. He had a lot. <laughs> He had he had quite a bit. Well, he had an extra shift lever. Who carries an extra shift lever? I'm the way he was talking. I think he had a lot of extra parts. <laughs> and an extra shift lever, and an extra clutch, and an extra smaller bike. If I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, he wasn't going to stop at Canada when he got there. Mm-hmm. He's just going to go right to the North Pole. Fuck yeah! Because otherwise, it's ridiculous. Mister Adventure. He was on his way around the world, north to south. Mr. Adventure, give us a call. <laughs> when you reach the South Pole, 
Call us on the satellite phone. Call us on the satellite phone and we will interview you. You've obviously packed away. How is it? It's cold. I broke my shift lever again. <laughs> I'm on my fourth replacement. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> but Mr. Adventure will not be stopped. The Adventures of Mr. Adventure. I was more impressed by Graham taking that Ninja 500 to the expo. Adventure. Because he was the only Ninja 500 there. Yeah. Enough. Well, go figure. Yeah. You guys and your small bikes. You didn't even have the right logo. <laughs> your your logos on your coat don't even match your bikes. You guys suck. He was wearing. Grant was wearing black leathers, and I was wearing my my super suit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were neither one of them were BMW branded. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not on BMWs, are you? No. Jackasses. <laughs> How are you supposed to go to Alaska? I, I mean, apart from you know, take the road. Yeah, going north. Yeah, yeah, you pretty much take the roads north, I think. The Bill Pan Alaskan Highway. Yeah, 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 the paved one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Call me weird. Follow the I forgot the first thing he said to me was, you know, because I was like, oh, you're riding with Graham. He's like, yes, on his Ninja 500. I told him he, silly guy, didn't read the fine print for the expo. Ha ha ha, we're making a joke together. Ah, ah, ah. Now you are friends with Mr. Mr. Adventure. Adventure. Adventure buddy. What are you writing? A versus 650. You are no longer my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Adventure. He's disappointed. So, yeah, that was, that was the weirdest thing. Mm. Um, I went through Colorado City on the way back. Mm-hmm. I did not see any funnies. Bundy Mellonist Mormons. Well, they're, they're sort of in hiding now. Yeah. I was hoping to see a couple. Yeah. Something. The thing that did strike me weird about Colorado City, Hillbilly, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't see a hotel. No, you're not welcome there. No, I didn't. I don't remember even seeing a gas station. You are not <laughs> there, are you? <laughs> I could take my money. Spent the night in a hotel or motel at Perkin, mm-hmm. where the Harley guys that would come in would huddle their bikes really, really close together. They're huddling together for warmth. They're air cooled, as far away from me as they. They can don't get. have front radiators. <laughs> But they all made sure there was like a 10-foot circle around the Versus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, your Versus looks really badass. I did take the Versus down a gravel road Mm -hmm. um, and dropped it. Nicely done. Yeah. I was coming to a Y in the road, and I had the GPS turned off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know which way I'm supposed to go. (laughs) Got to decide soon. Got to, oops. (laughs) Brake and oops. (laughs) Yeah, be gentle on that front brake. Yeah, it turns out it turns out that front brake is made for the street on the versus. Yeah, and the tires. Yeah, they're, they're stock tires. Okay, stop. No, <laughs> no, sleepy, <laughs> so sleepy. And uh, let me tell you, that versus six fifty loaded, it's mm-hmm. heavy. <laughs> I, I could not do the panic get up. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, 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 my back. <laughs> I had to do the turn around squat thing. Turn around squat things, where it's at. And, uh, fortunately for me, I was able to get it upright and, mm-hmm. uh, on its stand right before the four wheeler guys caught up to me and ran me over. <laughs> <laughs> Pull over with their beer. You're needing a help. No, I'm good. Uh, thanks. Okay, we're gonna go back to watching prime time. <laughs> you know, after I picked that thing up, I was like, my god. How does Mr. Adventure pick up his bike? He doesn't. <laughs> he has a thing in the bags. It's a jack. No, this is a thing, actually. There's actually a thing. A jack. Buy this, like the Adventure Stick Jack thing. 
This is a real thing. <laughs> I, you have to have something like that. That or you've got your can so far out. And I will tell you that speaking from experience, when you drop a big-ass heavy bike like, oh, totally hypothetically, a DL-1000 yep. um, on, a, on a dirt or gravel surface, yep. it's a bastard to get up because the fucker slides. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Claire did it with his tiger. We had to stand up oh, yeah, real wheel to get it to hold still. Yeah, that's true. And, and like his, a dime on a tabletop. His was flat. Yeah, yeah. All I could think with Mr. Adventure is his panniers were so far out that it would just kind of... <laughs> the luggage luggage prevents him from fall. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, okay, let me just push with this foot a little. Back. <laughs> hernia! Hurt something! Adventure hernia. <laughs> wow. I just, uh... Mr. Adventure. Yeah. I didn't give him a card. <laughs> hi, hi, Mr. Adventure. <laughs> How's it going, Mr. I don't know if any of our Canadian listeners know Mr. It could be. Could be. Somebody's going to write in. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I know Mr. Adventure. He lives next door. Wow. Do you know a guy with a black uh, super tenere who came down to the OX and, uh, and has, has opinions about stuff, has lots of ADV stickers on his bike mm-hmm. and lots of lights, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you know. There's nothing for falling over like lights, Mr. Adventure. Clank. <laughs> Watch him right back and be like, I actually have gone around the world three times. That's nice. One of the couples there, and I, I know I'm screwing this up. I've got their name, their card. Mm. They were there celebrating their 10-year anniversary of being on the road. Wow. Like, nonstop. Wow. That's that's cool, I guess, if that's your thing. It's wild. I want to say it was 10-year. Uh, it might have been more. Mm-hmm. Still, that's, I mean, even several years. I got their car. We're going to have them on the show. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, there's them. And you know, the interview we just did with Lois Price, she's just saying, you know, get whatever and go. Austin mm-hmm. then says, get whatever and go. You know, mm-hmm. just go, just go, 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 go. Mr. Adventure says, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Mr. Adventure pointed out that his, uh, his ST mm-hmm. had $4,000 worth of accessories. That sounds really expensive. I'm not sure I'd want much more than $4,000 a bike for doing any really serious stuff. <laughs> and he was saying, you want to spend about that to get your bike properly kitted out. Well, that's true, actually. I mean, you know, you, you if you want it properly kitted out, I bet Andrew spent that much getting his bike kitted out. Including the cost of the bike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean, kitted out. I mean, you need like an engine and wheels and handlebars and a seat. No, no. He meant on top of the cost of the, of the bike. Oh, okay. I, I usually do that. I have $14,000 bike, add four grand to it, and then toss it in the dirt. <laughs> I mean, my Strom's not a super cheap bike. On the other hand, I've had it so long, it's a giant piece of shit. So I can pretty much toss it anywhere and not care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, if I scratched it up, who'd know? Andrew talked about tossing his bike into the river all the time. Yeah, yeah, it fell over. What'd you do? Picked it up. Yeah. It's kind of funny watching him talk to other people. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh yeah, here's my bike. <laughs> There's this awkward pause. And they're like, you went, you went on that? <laughs> and you could see them working out. The you, tumbleweed you, goes by. <laughs> you went on your trip on, on that. <laughs> and Andrew would be like, yep. Mm-hmm. What the problem? I, I would have loved to have Andrew, Andrew versus Mr. Mr. Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> we need them both on the show. <laughs> that would have been that would have been awesome. Yes, yes. It's just oh yes. Yeah, it was pretty. Co- it would have been pretty cool. So, uh, listeners sent us some great email. Mr. Adventure would approve of this one. Sean found us the bargain of the century in a Mexican Walmart. Mexican Walmart. Mm-hmm. 
So Sean writes, my wife doesn't send me shopping because I never come back with what's on the list. I figured I'd solve the problem by not using a list. So this morning, I headed over to the local big box here in San Jose del Cabos, uh, Mexico, to pick up a bag of Doritos, made locally, of course, a case of Coke, and some paper towels. A paper towel. Some paper towel. Yes. What the last thing my wife said she wanted? Diapers, wipes, now the kids are at home for this vacation. A motorcycle, of course, that's got to be it. (laughs) has to be it. Well, it must have been what she meant. Behold, Mr. Adventure's new ride, the Italica (laughs) Classico 125, for the rollback price of... 14,790 pesos or $1,231 Canadian. Or $1,212 American. Special price for senior wheel nerds. That must mean you. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) They probably aren't all that bad either because I've seen quite a few rolling around. There was even a polizia on an Italica quad burning past me on the main road here. Surely he was only testing the rev limiter in first while the strap on his helmet was blowing freely in the wind. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for the show. Also saw an, at an abandoned restaurant next to our hotel a skull mural. Mural, the perfect substitute for insurance or plates. Oh, I see. It's a, it's a bike with a skull mural. But oh yeah, look on the tank. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a Ducati with a skull mural, and you know you don't need plates or insurance or something. Is that just skulls. clear plastic? Where uh, his plate would be? Yes, that does appear to be clear plastic where his plate would be. Awesome. Yes, extreme. And uh, here's the Italica. The Italica Classico. Oh yes, this is a, this is clearly a high quality uh, Chinese product. <laughs> it's still wrapped in cellophane. Still got yeah, it's still got the cellophane and tape on it, which I think is great. Wow, brings it so you know the paint is really good. You know it's new. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got that new bike smell. Mister Adventure could fit one of these in his pannier. No, rolled back to twelve hundred dollars, and then you can put four thousand dollars of stuff on it. This would be his uh his. His lifeboat backup bike. Yeah, he's got it on davits on the back of the Super Tenere. Yeah, that's like neat. The Italica Classico. That's actually not, you know. You know what? Quite honestly, if it's... I had like a like a place in Mexico, I'd be really tempted to buy this thing. Yeah, it looks good. Just have a little crap can bike like this. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? Why not? What do you need for twelve hundred? It's got a nice big rack on the back already. Yeah. I mean, what's not to like? I yeah. And you wouldn't feel bad about throwing it into the okay. Nope. Oh no, I dropped my Italica Classico. Truly, this miracle of modern motorcycle machinery is now ruined. <laughs> or I could go buy another one. It's in the aisle, two things over from the toilet paper. And everyone would know how to fix it. That's right. I like it. Yeah. I did get it. Italica Classico. Available <laughs> soup. How many Italica Classicos equal a Yamaha Super Tenere? Hmm. <laughs> I think I think all of our purchases in the future now are based upon the number the of kind of like a classico. <laughs> the classico scale. Okay, Canuck Larvae Nathan writes, "Hey guys, first off, love the show. I'm 17 and I'm trying desperately to whittle my parents down so they can allow me to get my license." My dad and his grandpa rode, so I'm confused why I can't. Possibly because they rode. Yeah, there's Badly. probably some stories. In the meantime, however, I'm filling the void by podcast magazines and hours of YouTube. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Take that, the pace. P.S. I'm allowed to ride an electric scooter, but come on, let's be real here. <laughs> well, Nathan, uh, how about a Italica Classico? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what, $1,300, $1,200? Totally, totally Canadian? manageable. Yeah, and it's available at a Walmart. At a Walmart in Mexico. In Mexico, right now. You, and as Andrew Payne has proved, there's no reason you couldn't ride that all the way back to Canada. Yeah, it would make you hardcore. That would be extremely. That would be the hardest of the hardcore. And you know the great thing about it is, if you buy it in Mexico, what are the chances they check your license at the Walmart? Exactly. They don't care how old you are. Mm-hmm. 
You could you could buy a beer too. Yeah, I mean, not telling you to. No, no. Just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next letter. So we got a letter from this uh, new podcast that's uh, two goobers on adventure bikes called Kick and Gravel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need to write back to those guys. Sound like they're horning in on our action a little bit. Well, of course they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna ruin the market. Oh, you know who's horning in on our action? Uh oh. Who? Jack. Jack from the Adventure Trio. Uh huh. The kid. Yeah. He's gonna start a podcast for the Adventure Son Trio. Of a bitch. Right. This summer, he's got his podcast. He was asking. He's gonna me, have a podcast with a twelve-year-old sense of humor about. I, I'm suing him. He was asking me questions about podcasting. Oh man! I was like, Oh, oh god, we're so we're in trouble. We're so screwed. God. So I went. I went and listened to the Kick and Gravel podcast. We'll give them a link on our site. Uh, one thing I do want to say about your site, guys: your logo is too small. It it needs to be bigger. I could almost see the content of the page behind it. This sounds like sarcasm. Yes, it is sarcasm. <laughs> they were asking if we were planning to go to the MLA rally, the mm-hmm. WMO rally in Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're probably no nope. out. I'm maybe. Would mm-hmm. I be welcome there? I have a uh, BMW T-shirt. We can get some stickers. BMW stickers. Those roundels, like I got, I put on your. Vibrate. We could roundel. You have to take off with like a screwdriver. Oh my a... god! What if I BMW the versus? I think it would be swell. And, and then you come show up, up. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be next year's 650 light adventure model. There you go. <laughs> yes. And you just play it straight. They have the... they have these in Europe. I had to go connect. Uh, I had to go to Canada to buy this and drive it across the border. Yeah, man. These things are great. Oh, yes. They're really big in Europe. They're so light and agile. And, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we have a plan. <laughs> and you guys, the kick and gravel guys, you have to help me sell the story. Mm-hmm. If I come, you have to swear you help me sell the story that it's this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Promise me that. I like it. This has legs. Oh, man. <laughs> we also got an email from Todd who's not have a fucking Ural. But you do have a fucking Ural. That's a different Todd. Oh, a different, a, a Uralist Todd. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. okay, okay. Good day, sirs. I had a nice versus lady turn me <laughs> onto your podcast at the Pecatonia, Illinois BMW swap meet. Yay! It wasn't me and Drek. Mm-hmm. That's what you say every time. And it always turns out to be you and Shut Drek. Shut up! Now my long commute is slightly less boring. Thanks so much. Okay. You're wel- you're welcome. You're welcome. You're- I'm like used twos combined. I have a versus and my name is Todd, but I don't have a fucking Ural. Okay, now I'll be your whipping post bitch, Toddzilla. So he's like our love child? That's a little creepy. Yeah. Hope it has hope he has my looks. I hope he has my smell. <laughs> that that's fair. <laughs> Rebecca sent us kick-ass pictures of the BMW Museum. Yes, indeedy. Hey, Will Nerds, let me start by saying that I extremely enjoy your guys' podcast and have officially made my way through all of the old episodes. We're sorry. So she's the one. Schoolgirl cackling and stupid punchlines had never before been so well delivered. Mmm, we deliver crap with gusto. I'm sure I don't just speak for myself when saying that your shows do a tolerable job of representing what motorcycling is all about. 
That is risking your mental and physical well-being and your sanity for the sheer fun of doing what you love. That's fair. And while I can't yet be considered a writer myself, my perpetual battle with various parts of a 76 Kawasaki KH100 should imply that I'm experiencing the most frustrating part of becoming a writer first. I'm pretty sure that's the second most frustrating, the first being meeting Mr. Adventure. <laughs> in addition to soldering up holes in the car float, rebuilding the car, stripping and coating the rusty gas tank, cleaning the pet clock, and do you, Rebecca, are you single? <laughs> I'm just asking. And replacing the fuel filter, all of which have already been done. Oh, right, yeah. I still have much to complete before hitting the road and dating Chuck. Mm-hmm. Solid. Uh, although I can't complain too much, being as a single-cylinder two-stroke from the 70s is about the easiest thing a person can wrench on. She has not met me in person yet. Mm. Now, on to the real reason I'm running. I recently took a trip to Germany and got the chance to tour the BMW headquarters and museum in Munich and witness firsthand the raw severity of true adventure riding. Mr. Adventure approves. As it turns out, Real Adventure is marked by mini Bavarian meatloaf. Meatloaf! World-class cheesecake. Cheesecake! <laughs> Which is what I had for lunch at the BMW Bikers Lodge. Adventure meatloaf. Right next to the 2013 GS models on display. Adventure cheesecake. As if that wasn't hardcore enough, one could always pick something equally as adventurous in the glass dessert case. Adventure dessert case. Housing everything from apple strudel cake... Adventure Strudel. To mixed pickles. Adventure pickles! Unfortunately, I was only able to view all of, I was only able to view all of the BMW museum, but lucky the part I did see included the timeline of motorcycles. I have attached a few pictures of the bikes and the lodge. I hope you both enjoy it. As always, keep up these slightly offending but mostly entertaining podcasts. Mixed pickles are hardcore. Well, we do like pickles on the show. Adventure pickles. I kicked in on the Kickstarter. Kickstarter adventure pickles. Pickles. Yeah, yeah. Pickles. Pickles. So, really, seriously, getting back to the point. Rebecca, are you single? Mm. Because I know a guy. Mm. Not very good with a wrench. Mm. No. Mm. But he does kickstart adventure pickles. Yeah, I do like mixed pickles. Pickle kick. Pickle starter. I'm keeping it in there. Yeah. So she sent us gobs of picks. We'll uh, we'll put those up. Sort through them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have you learned, Todd? I've learned that I'm only riding a 1,000, so I'm obviously not ready for real adventure. Not adventure. Not, not adventure. Maybe if I put pickles in the panniers, or possibly meatloaf. Bavarian meatloaf. Mm, meatloaf. Mm. Where's that ice cream truck? <laughs> what have you learned, Chuck? Ladies. I'm single. Mm-hmm. Run for your lives. <laughs> and that's all we got time for this week. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you listen to us on iTunes, please write a review for us so that we can get some more exposure and hits. Thanks. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.